Yo, yo, yo. Uh, mic should be working. Looks all to be fine. Alright. Welcome everyone. Uh, today FC chat is a German edition, yeah. Uh, but don't worry guys, we're not gonna talk in German here. I think it would actually be weird if we did. I mean, for both of us. Uh, but, so, obviously today's guest, Killer B. He should be a big enough name, so basically everyone knows about him. But let me explain anyway. Um, or let me introduce him a, a little bit at least. Um, he was on the CSM. You dropped off the CSM uh, recently. Yes. You, but you almost completed the the full term. Uh, I would say, right? I think I completed the, the first term, yes. But I, I, I only stuck around. Yeah, so one full yeah. term and then like three months into the second. Oh, yeah. I forgot exactly. You were actually a full term there. All right. So um, you were on the CSM. Um, and therefore, I should also mention there might be stuff where you might have to say, like, nope, it's NDA or whatever. Uh, I don't think there will be any of that. But, you know, in that case, just say NDA and we just move on, right? Because uh, obviously. Yeah, we don't want to get banned, do we? But yeah, um, we have been rivals in a way uh, for quite a while, actually. Right? Panfam in it has always been like I think back in the day you were NPL before. Um, there was always that little bit of rivalry going on in uh, PL and in it. You know, some you know, sometimes more, sometimes less, but there was always something going on. Um. I mean, ever since Shadu wasn't uh, playing anymore, that's how I feel at least. When Shadu uh, quit, that uh, kind of started a little bit. Um, but uh, you've always been very uh, like stra straightforward, no bullshitting, very respectful and stuff, and I appreciate that. There's always like when there's rivalries, even if it's a fucking spaceship game, uh, it can get a little nasty and shit. But uh, I don't remember you ever talking shit. Like I think I don't think anyone uh, on the Imperium side or so um, remembers you as being a massive shit talker, which is great. Um, and you have been the main FC for I would say for Panfam for quite a while. Um, how long have you been main FC for Panfam? Probably. probably um. I would years. say that I started kind of running stuff in Panfam and did campaigns with the beginning of World War B. So like early 2016, I started basically early 2016 was when I convinced the peer leadership to deploy towards the north and start pushing harder on the uh, CFC back then. And that was basically my first campaign in the Panfam. I was a campaign commander before that in Ulisikunda, but they weren't really... Obviously, I weren't part of Panfam, right? So, in Panfam, it started with uh, World War B. Yeah, you're right, actually. I mean, in my head, it was all, it's not as, uh, as far away, but yeah, that, that was 2016 already. Yeah. That has always been, a, uh, already been a while. Um, and you know what? I think you were the, one of the very few FCs that quickly adapted to, like, our Bush uh, doctrines quite well. And I always respected that one. I know we have, we fought a couple of times, um, uh, with Ravens, with Snatch, 
Maybe, I'm not sure. You were in PL at the time, I think, when we were flying Snatch. We were fighting NC mostly. Um, but I think we fought a few times, maybe. And then obviously with Stukas too. And uh, I remember you guys adapting uh, quite well, actually. Uh, didn't seem to be that hard, right? Because if you know what you're doing, it's actually not that crazy. But um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I always had a lot of respect for that. And um, yeah, I mean, how many wars did we actually fight in together, or uh, not together, against each other, right? So I remember when when I joined PL in late 2015 or mid 2015, you guys were deployed to GTECO in Curse, right? That we were staging in Curse as well. So we definitely had some skirmishes back then, but I don't think they were very big. And then you guys went to uh, to Syndicate as well to do the NC stuff. And I was in PL and we stayed down in Curse. So then we kind of stopped. And then obviously any kind of Imperium slash CFC uh, war that we've been involved in and you guys were involved in, we've been fighting more or less. Yeah, that's our, so our, a couple. Yeah, our traditional home station or home uh, staging is in GDSO actually. And you guys were in HLW. And I remember yeah. those times it was also Ishtar Online to a degree still wasn't it yeah a little bit yeah it was like late it was like the later stages of tango and Ishtar online yeah i you know what i kind of ex i kind of enjoyed uh Ishtar online like i really did i, I like the shield Ishtars as well they were really cancer but they were one of those doctrines where if you knew how to fc them you could really just own and if you were not good at fcing them you would get owned and I like those kind of doctrines because it really shows the difference between a good and a bad FC. That's why I also kind of like Munins because it's like at the moment it's still kind of a Munin matter and there's a lot of fights going on, uh, especially, or there were a couple of fights with us versus GOTG and there's a very clear difference in FCing. Like you can see when there was a good FC on our side, we won and then if it wasn't such a good FC on our side and a better FC on their side than they won because it really you have to know how to fight Munins versus Munins, right? You have to know what to do. And it was the same in Ishtar versus Ishtar. There was very specific counters and it was uh, yeah, it was definitely something where you could show that you are a better FC than your opponent. And that's kind of my motivation to play the game or it has been my motivation to play the game for a long time. Um, so that was, I always like when it's a matter where you can basically show that you're better than the other FC. I don't particularly care about winning some time unnecessarily. I just want to be better than the other guy, basically. I want to compete with the other best FCs of the game. And I want to fly doctrines where I can show or try or test if I'm better than the other guy, right? And a lot of doctrines in between Ishtars and now Munins were not like that, where it's really just about who has the most dudes, like Ferox's, for example. Like there's not much you can do in a Ferox versus Ferox that makes you better than the other guy. At the end of the day, whoever has more Ferroxes wins, right? Most of the time, anyways. Obviously, you can still beat a really bad FC if you like, if you have less, uh, if you have less Ferroxes, but it's not very often that happens. Yeah, I think. I mean, you could make the same argument for Munins. Like, what does it? What, what's the what's the difference in your opinion between like Munins versus Munins? Let's say hundred versus hundred. You have Munins versus uh, Munins. Uh, why is that more? Um, skill based than Ishtar's, um, sorry, Ferox's versus Ferox's. Because, like, there's a very clear example of when you know, like, the procedure to fight Munins in Munins is very straightforward. What you want to do is whoever kills the enemy lodges first wins, right? 
and I've been mentoring some FCs in NC Dot. Well, not very recently, but I've been, you know, watching the FC chats and then throwing in my occasional comment every now and then. And a lot of our newer FCs, for example, when they start to fight mutants versus mutants, they have fairly sim similar numbers. They start trying to shoot mutants at first, or maybe they shoot um, link ships or something when they don't have the critical mass to volley that, right? And it's always a case of who kills the enemy logis first. Then you have to know which ammo to load. A lot of um, newer FCs make the wrong uh, ammo choice. They don't load the right type of ammo in a mutant versus mutant fight. And uh, then it's also a lot about positioning. If you manage to get on top of the enemy logi with your mutants, like within 30, and you can just load fusion and go through simis like a hot knife through butter, then you're going to win the fight almost guaranteed. But if you have good hyena pilots, if you have with webs, right? If you have good web webbing pilots, if you have uh, if you know how to anchor your fleet, and if your logi anchor knows how to anchor the logis, you can really make a difference. And uh, a lot of newer younger fcs that are not as skilled in the in the game they don't know how to set up so they can win a fight like that uh well so i'm actually a horrible mune fc probably because i never fly mutants i maybe took them out twice i'm not excited about flying them but i totally see the you know the potential there's way more choices you have to make as an fc which makes it way more interesting but also gives more room for hostile fcs to make mistakes right but yeah yeah you make it sound way more interesting than I thought. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. That's, that's the thing. I, I, I didn't think of it that way before I started trying to explain it to new FCs, right? Because for, for me, in my head, it was like, that's just how yeah. you fight. Like, that's just, it happens automatically. But when you try to break it down to a person that's trying to learn to FC, you have to really think, okay, so what do you break it down to? And then I really did did it in my head, kind of like, what, what matters in a fight like Munins v. Munins? And then you break it down and you write it down and it actually makes it sound really interesting right but for like experienced fcs they don't they don't think about any of that they just do it right but like new fcs they have to learn it so they have to kind of have a checklist okay this is what i have to do but i'm i would agree also like at a certain scale when like when the enemy has like 30 more mutants than you do then there's not a lot you can do even if you have c way better to win but uh, there's a certain like difference that you can still do by just being better than your opponent yeah, so that like that's always the thing. You have to make the choice. Like, there's no um, perfect way of doing it that works every time, you know? because the fleet size might be different. Maybe they bring like a, an enormous amount of logies, and you have so much DPS that it may be not even viable to go for logies first or whatever. Like, there might be you know. So there's no not this like easy peasy checklist, but you know, every fight is different. And I always have, I always tell the new FCs when we like go and they like oh I want to start FC and the first thing I tell them is ninety percent of the fights in Eve are decided before the actual fight begins right because it's all about what does my enemy have in terms of fleet comp what do I have who has more who has a bad phone uh, can I drop caps that like all these circumstances all these like environmental things those most of the time decide the fight um, the actual like combat piloting skill factor has gotten lower and lower over the last couple of years with just the way the ccp changed the game there's not a lot of outskilling your opponent anymore back in the day when you know pl like even before i joined pl pl became famous for a dropping caps everywhere and b being able to beat insane number like winning fights where the enemy has an insane number advantage and it was also the same for the black legion the original black legion back in 2012 13 i was actually 
in Black Legion during its prime time. And one of the things that impressed me about uh, the most about Elo back then was that we had a like 60-man Munin fleet or something, right? 60, 70-man Munin fleet. And we beat, we were fighting, I think it was like a full fleet of Hurricanes from FCON, and we beat them. We, we won a fight where it was like 80 Munins versus 256 Hurricanes, right? That, and we that's won. That's the dream. Because, because he piloted better, because the Hurricanes wouldn't hit us, and we would kill them. And that kind of stuff just doesn't exist in EVE anymore. It just doesn't exist. And that's very unfortunate. But uh, there's still, like I said, a little bit of that. If you if you look at it at a very small scale, like in a, and I not mean small scale of fight, but I mean on the like, if you really deep dive deep into what a fight uh, is made of, basically. Did you already FC at the time when you were in Black Legion? Or did you just fly? No, no, I was, I was a Lion member. And uh, I started FCing in Nulli. A little bit. I started seeing an Evoke, but that was when Evoke was already dead. So that was like in mid late 2013. I started seeing an Evoke, and then I went to Nulli. And then because Progot pulled the Progot, uh, I was kind of just thrown into the cold water because back then we were part of the N3, right? And uh, Stainwagon was pushing into Esoteria from Stain, and we were basically uh, basically the N3 decided, look, Nulli, you're going to be in charge of defending Esoteria from Stainwagon. And Progot made this huge post about our deployment to defend our homelands, blah, blah, blah. Then we deployed to Isoteria to defend it. And then he went AFK. And <laughs> then I had to take over because there was nobody else to do it. And then me and Nidusbar, who still plays, as you know, obviously these days. And that's why we're friends. That's why I joined Shiva after I left PL. Because Nidus and I, we kind of grew up together in Nuli uh, as a team. Like we both ran the campaign together back then in 2014. And I always did the subcap fleets and he did like a lot of bombing. Back then bombing was really good. because there were no defenders, no bushers and shit like that. Um, so we did like a really strong combination of me running subcap doctrines and then him supporting me with bombers. And we did really, really well against Stainwagon back then. I, I always uh, said, like, the multi-fleet approach is the, the right approach, really, right? Not, not being one-dimensional. If you form against someone, just bring in one fleet, it's probably not the right way, you know? If you can, bring maybe a smaller fleet, but then on top of it, a couple of bombers, on top of it, like, whatever, smart bomb stuff or whatever, right? Just to give it that, that extra tool, it's, yeah. it's usually pretty good. But you need that extra FC for it, too, right? That's usually where it's um, where it stops. For example, when we were flying snatch all day, we didn't have that many snatch FCs though. Oh, uh, not snatch, but Stukas or snatch too, right? Not a lot of people are comfortable with flying them too much. And then uh, taking out the main fleet and then having another FC being comfortable with Stukas or snatch, that was always a little bit of a struggle. Cause like usually it was just me flying those. Right? You know, having that that good, you know. FC bro is always great. Uh, but since you said you started FC in a little later, like did Elo then, he, he's probably a little bit of inspiration then for you, huh? Oh, Elo? Yeah, very much. Um, Elo, like Elo made me want to become an FC, basically. I That's why I was super excited. I actually met Elo the first time and the only time, sadly, in, uh, I think it was FanFest 2018 or 2017. I can't remember exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, I still remember the re like, I still remember the fleet where I decided I wanted to become an FC. There was like this, uh, this was an op. I don't remember what the op was about, but I, what I, what I do remember is that we basically Elo knew everything that our opponents 
were going to do before they did it. He had perfect intel on them. He knew exactly which gate they were taking. He knew exactly where they were going. And today that's pretty basic, pretty standard for me as well, because I have all the intel. I have all, I can see everything. But as a line member back then, this fascinated me so much. I was like, how can this guy, how can this fleet commander know everything that our enemy is going to do before they even do it? I didn't understand all of that back then because I was just a regular guy, right? I pressed F1, that's all I did. And um, that really made me, I, I said like, oh man, I want to be that kind of guy one day. I want to have like perfect insulin on my opponent. I want to drop supers on somebody or something like that. It was really like a little kid dreaming. And back then, you know, it was, it was 2012. So I was, that's eight years ago. I was, uh, well, I guess I was 16, 15, 16 back then. But, you know, I was a teenager and I kind of looked up to him. So it was kind of fun. That's kind of, that's interesting. Like, I don't remember me having that one one day or whatever where I uh, thought to myself, like, oh, I want to be an FC. For me, it just, like, I kind of, you know, developed into it. And that's usually the story I hear from other FCs that they're like, oh, yeah, well, we did stuff. I Actually, you said something similar. Like, so that was an inspiration. But then yes. Progot was Something missing in that, in that war. And then you were forced into this role, basically, right? You had to fill that gap. Yes, that was that. Yeah, that was when so I was forced to run. When I run a, I was forced to run a large campaign. Then, right, the first time actually FC the fleet was in Evoke, and I still remember um, as well because we were sitting on comms, and I was like a six or seven or eight man vagabond gang or something. Like there was a small gang next to us staging. Um, I think we staged in Vsic back then in Syndicate of Evoke. And they were like flying around the area. It was like this eight man Vega gang, right? And everybody on comms, we had like 15 people on comms. So we had more people there, but all the other people just said, oh, we could form this and fight them. Oh, we could do this and do that. And we could, we could, but nobody did. And I was like, I'm tired of everybody saying we could, we could do this or that. And I just did it. And that's the number two thing, I guess. Actually, that's probably the number one thing I tell new FCs or people that ask me, killer, how can I become an FC? You have to do it. You just, yeah. there's no way, there's no, there's no class you can take like FC in 101 that you have to take first and then you have to become to NFC. You have to find the motivation to actually go out and do something. And unfortunately, very little people actually have that motivation. There are so many people that poke me in NCDOT, for example, and be like, I want to help. I want to do more. I want to become NFC. And basically, whenever I tell them, yeah, just, just do it. I, f I feel like maybe they think that I'm trolling them or something, but that's at the end thing. of the day, that's what you have to do, right? Like that's you just have to start doing stuff. When I ask for a sign or do it, when I ask for a scout, do it, right? Yeah. Like that's that's how you start. So, like, I have the same thing. I get convoed about stuff, and because I'm doing this FC chat thing now, like maybe some people get the impression that, like, oh, I'm the, the super FC, and like, no, I'm, I'm not that great of an FC, really. I just like to talk about shit and. I, thought it's great and stuff i don't have all the answers all i know is like no fc gets better by sitting in station you know what i mean and it's the exact same thing with like for example elo's thing like why was he so good with munins back when nobody was that good because he undocked constantly i'm i wasn't even there and i know he undocked all the time in the same setup so he knew everything about it and he knew the problems he whelped a few times i'm sure and all that stuff. But if you were like a 60-man unit fleet versus like a full hurricane fleet, I'm sure that might have happened before or whatever. He worked our entire super fleet three times or two yeah, or three there times. there you go. Right? And like nobody's talking about that right now, you know? Well, so, I mean, now we do, right? But in general, like you have to undock and do shit. And uh, it's not, 
um, you're not getting better by uh, sitting there thinking about it, right? But at the same time, there is this component that's super important too. Is the you know you need the room to FC. For example, I don't think being an init or an NC dot is the best way to start FCing. I really don't think so because there is established FCs like you, like me, like uh, Dark Shines or like I don't know Vince in NC. They're already FCing, so if there's like important stuff, you you're not pushed like you were in. Uh, Nolisekunda, for example, there was nobody there. Everyone was just sitting around. Someone had to do it, so you pushed in that direction. So if there's a, like a pro god legend around, he would have seen that fleet against those vagas quickly, and you wouldn't have the chance to actually get that first experience, right? So yeah. there, there are some, there are some, uh, you know, components that need to get together for someone to really like get going. I think, and uh, yeah, I think that like it's it's not only like those guys that approach you and say like, oh, I want to FC, but they never really do. It's not entirely their fault. It's not like they're lazy or it just, just that they have the balls or whatever. I think the environment also plays a big role why they probably don't start really, right? Yeah, that's why we've kind of opened up our sort of, we call it FC fam. It's like our skirmish FC, trainee FC group or whatever you want to call it. We basically open it up to everyone. You just have to approach somebody and you get in there and then you can show if you want to be useful, right? Um, and we we open the doors for everybody. We don't really do background checks to people that want to join that channel. Not all that okay. much anyways. We just kind of invite them. And if they turn out to be useful, then that's great. And they're going to be a useful member of the FC team, right? And we've promoted lots of people that started up in FC Fam into our real FC group lately. I think it was like three or four guys that did really well in FC Fam and are now part of the FC team. In, in our alliance, having the FC tag also doesn't necessarily mean that you run all the fleets yourself. It also means that you contribute in another fundamental way, right? So for example, if you do, if you have like scouts in everywhere or so you have spies somewhere, for example, that you work really well with, um, all of those factors can be counted in. Also, some of our big paper pushers that do a lot of the background work, like making sure that all the contracts are stocked and making sure that all the doctrines are in place, they are also in the FC chat so they can communicate with DFCs, whatever they need. And uh, yeah, so it's sometimes a bit confusing when you have like, there's like a lot of people with DFC tech that aren't actually FCs that just kind of help DFCs out, but that are more trusted than all the people we invite into FC fam. Yeah, we have a similar system, I would say. We actually went away from an open FC channel. Like, so we used to have one FC channel and then on top of that, like an FC stretch channel. I'm pretty sure you've got similar stuff. Um. And then this channel, the FC channel, it just got too big. So you had like, I don't know, I think we had like 60 people in there. But like some of them are inactive. Some of, of them are just basically doing like signos and stuff like this. And it's more of a, like a support role. Um, but a lot of times what I felt like with those big groups, if it's too big, a lot of people don't feel uh, responsible anymore. You know, So everyone's like, oh yeah, he needs this and this. And he needs like all the moons scanned in wherever, right? In some constellation or whatever. Some, you know, work done. But a lot of people would then think, ah, well, there's 60 other people here. Like, why Why would I now do it? Like, I'm going to take a break today. So I think, like, if a, if a channel like that gets too big, it's not effective anymore. And um, we had to clean all that up. 
And it was actually quite a cha challenge that we went through this year and we're still going through. And I think that's uh, something we struggle with as an alliance is um, like we have different FC tiers now, but then again, you don't want to make it a personal decision. You don't want to say, okay, FC, like for example, in your case, Killer B decides if FC 123 is now a skirmish FC or if he's a tactical FC, you know, which would then give him more access to SRP doctrines and la 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 la, you know? And, and that could be a personal decision and nobody can, like, our struggle was to get to a place where we can say, okay, this is based on facts. How good is the guy? You know, how how much can we trust him with our alliance assets? You know? And do you have like a similar system? Like, or like, is it all just like how you said? Well, I mean, alliance assets are not really like no, not even all of the people in the AFC channel have access to any alliance assets. There's like four people that have access to assets. Oh yeah, wait a um, second. So when I when I mean alliance assets, I mean like bigger cap numbers, super oh, titans, that kind of stuff. You know, when you lose no, yeah. ten titans, that's an alliance thing. Like, you know. Yeah, but see, that's for, that's one of those cases where like. If some really new FC that just got the FC tag starts pinging for Titans, somebody like me or Nidus, or, you know, is gonna be like, "Hey, what what are you doing?" But he's gonna like come <laughs> in and ask him, and then maybe support him. If it's yeah. a legitimate reason, we are absolutely not above letting a new FC FC caps as well. There's no problem with somebody that uh, got the FC tag recently running caps, right? But we usually ask him, "What is the timer? Why are you forming caps?" And then we kind of look at the intel that we have that he might not. And then we tell him, yeah, sure, looks good, you can do it. Or maybe we tell him, mm, I'd be careful right now. Or maybe we go like, okay, look, well, how about you do the subcaps and I can take care of the caps or the other way around, you know. Um, generally speaking, we don't really have rules on, on people running caps. It's a bit less um, organized. I kind yeah. of, like, in terms of, like, PanFam and, uh, and Imperium, for example, I always... It's a, not a perfect comparison, obviously, but I always tend to say that the Imperium is built a bit like the military and Panfam is built more like a mafia where we basically, we don't have a very set structure. It's kind of a bunch of people with big egos that like have their territories. And then like, you know, there's no grand admiral like the Mitanni who makes all the decisions. Um, there's just it's like Vince, Goblins. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's like Vince, Headliner, and Goblins, the three like that run the three alliances of Panfam, right? Like Horde, PL, and NC. And then they usually have a channel and they just yell at each other in there often. Often they just go in there and shake shit on each other. But at the end of the day, we make it work, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, That's so, kind of how do we do things. You know what? I tend to disagree. I think we're like... The way Imperium operates and um, Panther is very similar. The only difference I see is like it's very written down. There's like, you know, there are rules in place and stuff. Rules that you guys probably um, enforce anyway, you just didn't write them down. You know what I mean? Like, the, for example, when a new FC wants to field caps, we're doing it the same way. Um, uh, he like he's just a like an FC like a roaming FC. That's what we call the first um, group. And he's like, oh yeah, I would like to bring some triage. Like yeah, no big deal. You can bring like one or two triage. And then if he goes like let's say next stage will be skirmish FC, and he wants to feel like a dread bomb of like ten dreads. It's not the end of the world if you lose ten dreads. But 
some more experienced FC would then take over it a little bit and see, like, does that make sense? Or is he just going to, like, whelp dreads constantly here? And, um, you know, I think it's very similar. Like, we try to write down those rules, uh, like I explained earlier, to, to not have this uh, personal thing in there. So nobody can say, you know, he, that dude doesn't like me, that's why I can't, you know, climb up the ladder or whatever. Um, but in general, I think that's very, very similar, actually. Like, I think you guys are more of a military group uh, than you want to you wanna think. And probably Imperium. I'm not sure about Imperium in general, but our side of the Imperium, at least, like in it, we're probably more. Yeah, like, but I wouldn't. Like, I don't think want. you can compare <laughs> in it all that much, like goons, right? And goons, it's very different. And they have like yeah. FC tiers goons, and they have like there's like all this bureaucracy. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the word. All the papier kram, basically, right? That you paperwork. have to do to yeah, all the paperwork, all the paper pushing involved. Um, bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I just didn't know how to pronounce it. I know, I know the word, right? But I just couldn't pronounce so, it, and I didn't want to do it because it would have been wrong. It would have been wrong, and then people would have laughed and chat. <laughs> oh no! So, oh no! You you could become a meme. I dude, I was a meme for long. I enough, know okay? <laughs> that's why I said it. <laughs> we can talk about that one. I, yeah, you know can. what? I talked about that with Asher last, not the the week before. Asher was on. And so for those who don't know, Asher is the FC of the Imperium Supercap fleet. So basically the opposite of you, right? So yes. if And um, he also, which we should also talk about, he also like, was very outspoken about Supers and Titans. But um, he said, wait a second, how did I get here again? <laughs> no, I trade, uh, lost my train of thought. Um, it was about Asher and me being a meme. And something oh, yeah. he said. We talked about the the whole meme from X forty seven. So for those who don't uh, who are not aware, there was a the war. I think they call it World War Re. I'm not sure. Yeah. All the Imperium we went up north and uh, pushed into Panfam space, and you were actually main FC for the Panfam side of things, or Panfam yes. and Detco at the time. Yeah. Um. And the big fight there, the big battle of X-47 uh, took place and Imperium won. And when it looked kind of grim for you guys, you told your guys on comms, uh, tell your guys to dock up the faction titans and supers. I don't want them to, uh, you know, get an easy battle report win, right? And we talked yes, about basically. that. And it became a little bit of a meme because, you know, line member, like, like, F1 draw 1, 2, 3, he doesn't understand the decision. It's not only uh, the decision of, yeah, we don't want, want to give them the victory. That's not necessarily all of it. But at the same time, you're kind of responsible for those guys. Not everyone in a Vanquish or in a Vendetta or whatever wants to lose it for the greater good. Like a lot of them are actually putting those on the field, trusting in your decision to like, is it worth it or is it not worth it, right? And you made the decision it's not worth it at the time, which is completely fine. And none, none of our FCs, like, I mean, probably a few people, like, rolled with it and, you know, had a good laugh. But in general, everyone, like, everyone who ever I've seen kind of must have seen, like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. 
Yeah, it's something that I never really took it personally. It was kind of fun that there's even a song with me, like with, there's a remix of me saying "Dock up all your faction titans" or something. Oh, really? And there was like so much. Yeah, there's so much stuff that came out of that on Reddit. I was on the front page. I was like on the front page of Reddit for two weeks after that fight, and you know, there's no bad PR, so I'm I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's kind of fun because they, uh, at the CSM Summit as well, which I guess is another topic we're going to talk about, but at the CSM Summit, Eris came to me and he kind of like jokingly said, Nag, because that was sort of the first CSM Summit I went to was not that long after X47, right? And he basically came to me and was like, well, how does it feel now that you got your reputation ruined? And I told him, look, I didn't really, I never really cared about my reputation that I had with all the line members and all the people of EVE Online for all I care I don't care what like Reddit poster one, two, three things about me. What I always wanted to achieve is that all DFCs and Eve respect me and most of season Eve respect me. And that decision didn't change anything about that because like you said, every person that has ever FC before, they would have made the same call. So I didn't really care that I was like a, a joke for Eve for a couple of weeks because that reputation that I lost, quote unquote, was a reputation that I didn't really care about to begin with. Yeah, it was weird, but I mean, Reddit is a cruel place. It can yeah, be fun, though. Right? Yeah, I, I love Reddit. I still love Reddit. I don't mind that it happened good. to me at all. We we mean we mean so much during uh, during World War B, right? And um, that's true. When yeah. we when all the victory, like when we knew we won, basically we started. There was there was hilarious from our POV. There was hilarious propaganda every day, and I went with that too. You know, like I just wanted to enjoy my quote-unquote victory obviously there was a lot more people involved in world war b than just me but i just wanted to enjoy the victory and i i basically i there's a german saying right if you if you want to throw a punch then you have to be able to take one right basically uh, roughly translated and you know i threw so many punches during world war b and in the in the two years after that as well because we dominated the game for 2016 2017 and half of 2018 or a bit at the start of 2018 right and we threw so many punches so when the table turned and when it was time for us to take the beating of course i'm going to take it right i'm not going to go like a bitch and then cry about how reddit is being mean to me or something it's just not what i do yeah and uh yeah Some, sometimes that's how it goes you know that's how it is and i've been yeah. in the in the same position right Sometimes Reddit likes to shit on me, and it's you know, totally fine. Some um, people in NC dot really dislike you, man. I don't know it, why. Like I, I and know. I always defend you. Like sometimes, sometimes oh, you some do? FCs. Oh, you don't have to. Yeah, sometimes I know the names, our, dude. <laughs> I know it is. So much, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and I, I always come on and be like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but why do you like? Why do you make it personal, man? Like I, I just don't get it. There's, there's one particular FC that fucking hates me on a personal level and i don't even know why no, actually he went into local so when we st first uh, started staging in harkonnen which was probably not our best campaign ever because you guys crushed it with like everything you had um so we staged up in harkonnen and then and there was not much going forward there you know there was like the reaction was way bigger than we expected it kind of in the end you know if I, in the end it quite worked out because you know uh, we had goons coming up and then we uh, killed all, everything in fucking tribute but at the time when we were on our own there i mean we staged there knowing it's going to be tough but it was way tougher than expected so we were forced to not do much and then like that one particular fc came into local and uh 
like shit talked me and tried to attack me on a personal level, which was all like super far off. Like I don't even know, you know, the typical nerd shit. And I was like, that dude has some issues. Holy shit! But from what I heard, he was I've seen the one uh, fleet in or the, the keeps the defend in H dash five or whatever the system was. Right. Oh yeah. So that explained it to me. That was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I was I was I was an active I was an active when the whole HTEC five keep stuff thing happened. I was kind of taking a break and basically the keep stuff was dropped and I I never really leave the channels, right? I always read and I was like, okay, so I approached Vince and I was like, Do you want me to help with this timer? Do you want me to do something? And basically I was handed the subcap fleet and uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. I was like I think I was the only Panfam subcap subcap fleet on grid because for some reason we made the decision to have like everyone in caps except me and my subcap fleet. And then sometimes I was told to go to a perch and like fight off some jackdaws or something or, or like chase the ravens around, right? I was told to chase the ravens around. So I, when I warped up with my Munin fleet to the ravens, there was like six enemy subcap fleets that would warp on top of me. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, how am I supposed to like chase somebody around if every time I warp somewhere, I get chased around by six enemy fleets. I'm not talking six 50-man fleets. I'm talking six full fleets that warped on top of me and started bubbling me. And I was like, holy shit, that's too much. And I, I ended up just warping down into a cap lob and just sitting there because it was like fuck this i'm not gonna warp up there again are you crazy and yeah. then uh i left yeah so it, was a, it was a good experience that was a special kind of fight like so like in our court you know kenda quite well i i guess yeah kenda's uh, a cool dude yeah he sadly he's um he just quit but uh, again what happened to what happens to trigger happy yeah, well, it's going to be a tough time for Trigger Happy, I have to say. I mean, I still rock the Trigger Happy flag, as you can see in the background. So I hope they, uh, they're they going to keep uh, going. And Yeah, me too. They were fucking, they were such a good alliance. Like, I always thought about when I would quit NC, I would join Trigger Happy. I, really <laughs> I said the same. If I would ever leave, that would probably be the only alliance I would join if I wouldn't just do like something else you know maybe like over streaming do like public fleet kind of things and build something up i don't even know right but if i would yeah. ever leave in it that, that probably would have been my choice trigger but, happy is probably at least like trigger happy in the last couple of months was like every fc stream because they still get the little little quote-unquote 100 v 100 70 v 70 fights that if you are at the block level at the moment you just don't get anymore and i was like man trigger happy must have such a good time at the moment i just want to join them if they would stay alive, I think eventually Trigger Happy would like become the home of like all the big players, right? Which would just be filled with like all the big FCs that are just tired of being a block block FC, and they just go to join Trigger Happy to have little fights again. Yeah, but I mean, they, Rip. I mean, from that perspective, you must also think the whole tribute thing when like Imperium came up, it kind of worked out way better than everyone expected. Like I expected. We like kill tribute, and then you guys just move in ASAP, put it on new uh, for disaster keeps us, and then say, "Oh well, we don't even care. Like this is all fixed already." That's what I expected you guys to do. But instead, you said, "Like no, it's probably not worth the effort." And then you just said, uh, "Let's not, you know, take it back and then repeat the mistake." So you just left tribute completely alone. And then these smaller alliances actually had some space, and they're like. Well, if this is up for grabs, let's move in there. And then Trigger Happy moved in there. What are others? Uh, like someone in, in chat probably knows a couple of groups. There's a, there's a few smaller groups now in there that are just, you know, fighting on a 
on a smaller le uh, level, not level, but you know, smaller scale, and they're having a blast. So, yeah, TIS had a show about Tribute and Vale recently with all the smaller groups there. And we've actually, like me and Nidus, specifically instructed all our FCs to stay out of Tribute and Vale of the Silent, even if they get bad phone for a timer, even if because we do not want to involve the big groups in the conflict because it would ruin it. Because if one big group gets involved, the other big groups get involved. And it just ruins what's happening in Tribute and Vale at the moment. What's, what's happening or what happened at the end of 2019 is what we need in this game, right? We need more Tribute and Vale of the Silent. Small alliances for fighting over small territories, super fun content for the people involved. And we specifically told all of our RFCs to stay out of it. No, no, nobody's allowed to go there and like, hmm, I'm just going to take 10 Titans and ruin their fight. Haha. Not, not going to happen. Like we're not allowing it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We, we have the same, but unspoken rule for that. Actually, like nobody like is taking massive, uh, fleets up there. Like everyone's fine to like take some roaming gangs there. But what complicates things is now the test deployed up into um, um what's it called what decline what's before decline pure blind yeah pure blind um they're not building their dreads right there they're building them right in front of tribute and veil right in or in is it veil i think they p is veil um and that's you know there's there's a test sick right there so those the test sick is now fighting a little bit, or they have been fighting a little bit in Tribune, so, which is fine. But now they've got that Aspel there. Then this Aspel gets refed into final, and then Panfam gets bad for that timer. You know what I mean? And then yeah. now they're in between. There's Panfam, and there's us, and in between there's Tribute, and it's kind of complicated now. And as soon as the bad phoning starts, you know how it is, right? One side starts, the other side starts, and then, you know. It always spins out of control, and everyone's getting bad phone for everything. And yeah, that one Aspel in Day PDG could just be that that reason for the whole bad phone shit to start, which I hope it's not going to be the case necessarily. But yeah, we'll see what happens when test is done, purging stain or whatever they're doing at the moment. If they actually come back up, we've got the we've got some exciting stuff happening that could change up the pace of the war in the north at the moment, or in branch, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, which is FRT, I think, is going to move in soon. And then, well, we'll see who responds to that. I think Goons will also get a bit more involved when FRT yeah. deploys. Yeah, maybe. But I, uh, I don't know anything. It should be fun to watch. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't like you. Most people probably know that I'm not turbo active at the moment and I'm not running this campaign either. I just I did one fleet yesterday, actually. Um, because there was an IHUB timer and I was home. So I figured, you know, I might as well form a fleet. Uh, unfortunately, GOTG didn't form, that coalition, sorry, didn't form to defend the IHUB. So I went to their staging and reinforced the jump gate in front of their staging keep star that made them form and fight us. We had a little bit of a skirmish, but nothing major. So it was just a fun fight. We ended up getting a fight out of it. That's what I wanted. And we killed the IHUB in the process. And then I went home. But yeah, I've been... Uh, I've not been super active yeah. uh, on the FCing part. I still, like I said, I still am involved in leadership of NCE, but I don't really do much active FCing at the moment. I'm hoping that I can do that a bit more now again. Hopefully, if this content isn't complete garbage, but I'm not gonna fight some weird 1600 timers with Chinese people. I no racist. 
Yeah, I think you came back a little bit, or you were about to come back when we deployed up to um, 5-P in... Uh, yes, yes. You were about to come back, actually. But I think the same, I the same as me, you probably realized all those timers are either a U time zone for GOTG or US time zone for PanFam. So there's not that much friction going on in the time zone we could actually fight in, which is Euro time zone, right? There wasn't... There wasn't much going on there. Nobody was really in, interested in, you know, doing those fights. And it, it, it's, for some reason, it never came about uh, to, like, real fighting over there, right? Yeah, it's because both sides are thinking very strategic because, obviously, Sword Dragon is spinning the whole we're going to be evicted narrative if they don't do something. And then our campaign commander right. is also... Well, yeah, of course, he's right. <laughs> but, you know, he's got plenty of places to go. Um, yeah. The, at the end of the day, our campaign commander takes this campaign very seriously as well, and so we obviously play it strategically. And I'm not going to interfere with the com campaign commander's decision if he's super active and involved in this campaign. And I'm not right. I'm not going to say I think this is stupid. I don't think it is. Uh, from his point of view, he's playing it very smartly. And the fact is that we are stronger than them by a lot in USTZ, and they are stronger than us by a lot in AU slash China TZ, right? So obviously all their stuff is time for China, all, all our stuff is time for US. And then EU is kind of like, hmm, well, I guess we can go reinforce something and see yeah, if we can get a it fight. Feels hollow, though, but nothing right? really happens. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awful. Yeah, That's why I said to Nidus and to Vince, it's like, well, you know, if, if IT deploy up and then goons deploy, maybe there's actually going to be some EU content, then I'm I'm down to play and FC more again, but I'm not going to try to FC some weird 1600 timers with 50 dudes because nobody can be asked to get into fleet at that time, right? That's just not what I want to do. You got to channel your inner Edolite. Fight those 250 dudes at 70 minutes. Hell yeah, I'm ready for that. The problem is if the if the 250 dudes are also in Munins and I'm in 70 Munins, I'm just going to get deleted. Be that inspiration for the next generation, you know? That does unfortunately <laughs> not work in this game anymore. Yeah. So, like, what do you think? Why is that? Do you think people got a little bit... I think it's probably more than one thing, obviously, but... Yeah, it's a lot got, more than one things. People got very good at the game. That's one part, right? Like, before that, people could have seen that were absolutely, like, they're just fresh out of high sec, you know? They, they could just start FCing and be so trash that, you know, you had the potential of wiping out, like, massive fleets, even outnumbered. Uh, that might be a factor, that people just got better. Organizations just, like, well better organi uh, organized and all that stuff. There's just more um, information on how to be, like, uh, how to FC and stuff like this, I would guess. But then also, um, the meta is just unforgiving when it comes to that, you know? Eagles, Munins, very tough to, you know, fight outnumbered. Um, Feroxes also, you know, and then Supers and Titans, obviously, like, you're not going to engage, like, you can't, you can't engage them outnumbered, really, like, it would be completely dumb, right, so, I feel like it's a mix of two things, or, yeah, I miss well, I would actually be a lot more confident to engage the Supers in, like, late China TZ, because one thing I've noticed with, with the Dead Coast Super Fleet is they have, like, zero facts, Every time they feel their super fleet and they were like more than a mid away from their staging, they had like 11 facts or something. And if I see us, I would happily engage a super fleet with 10 facts, even if I have like 10 less Titans than them, I would still fight it because I'm pretty positive I could win it. Yeah, but the problem then is tie dye, 
right? Yeah, but I, in, I actually like I said, if it's in late, if it's in late China, it's in my favor, right? Like late China heading into UTZ, our yeah. reinforcements are going to be way bigger than theirs. Obviously, I'm not going to do it right after downtime. I'm just going to get owned. But if I if I do it at the right time, I think you can do it. But yeah, I mean, super caps, like that's an even entirely different topic. We could talk about it, but I think they're just yeah, yeah they're just I, not on. Yeah, at this point, I think like we almost every time I have someone on, we talk about them. And I've yet to find someone who disagrees that Supers and Titans, there needs to be drastic changes, you know? For all I care, I could delete them, man. Like, I unironically wouldn't mind a world where Supers and Titans wouldn't exist, except maybe, like, you know, Bridge Titans, okay. But fighting caps, like, in every alliance, right, capital FCs are higher ranked than subcap FCs, but that's only because the assets are worth more. FCing caps is the most boring thing in the world. Like, there's nothing to do. And if seeing like a mutant fleet, something with an MWD, like an MWD comp, if seeing that is so exciting, you make one little mistake, you go into the web range of the Balgorns and then you get fucked, sorry, you get ruined by the enemy uh, Baltec fleet, for example. And and that kind of stuff, you know, there's like these little decisions that make so much of a difference. And with Titans and Supers, it's like, okay, by the time you jump in with all your super fleets, it's already tie-dye. Then you go like, okay, now 50 Titans DD this Titan. Oh, it died. Let's shoot the facts with the guns. And then all of, like, you have, like, 10 minutes to, to make decisions. It's just so terrible. Yeah, it's just it's, not fun. Yeah, I completely uh, agree. Um, the only thing that could be different is, like, obviously in X-47, we had the advantage of uh, Tess being on our side or, like, Legacy with Shield Supers and Dines, which then, for those who don't understand what I mean by that is, like, even if you had the same numbers, we had the advantage we could predict it's going to be EM Thermal mostly you're dealing. So all, all our Titans could be resistant pretty much for you guys. So you need effectively more Titans to Doomsday or Titans. And um, because we had Shield Super Titans that deal explode damage, right? So you couldn't just, you know, do that. You had the Keepstar, which was, especially in the first fight, a massive advantage. That was a fucking, ugh, you know? Yeah, because I mean, we, uh, we, uh, um, we um, how do I pronounce this properly? We uh, made a clever use of uh, tether mechanics, uh, tether tether issues that we yeah. found out about like a couple of days before the X forty seven fight. Uh, we, I wasn't we aware at all. Exploit. Yeah, I, I was, uh, great. I, I think so. In the core channel, I think someone mentioned it before, but it wasn't a big deal in the core. Right? I think the test guys probably said it. You know? Saying like, oh yeah, that was an issue, or like that's what we did. You know? there were yeah, the other we learned it from in, we learned it from ULX yeah, as yeah. well. You learned it in a painful way, so you were like, oh shit, we need to we need to use that too. In our case, like we're like, oh yeah, that's great, but nobody really thought about it all that much. Right? And then we were in that situation, whenever so like maybe to explain it to people. So whenever. Um, you have to imagine there's like two super fleets like the Pantheon super fleet is on the te- in tether range of their keepstar that they're defending and we are like 270 280 cam of um, you know shooting it and because they're in tether range if they are not aggressed and they don't have a weapons timer they can re-tether the problem is um, and that's now changed luckily if you DD a target and it and it's killed the second that target disappears, your weapon timer is gone and you can re-tether. So in that time, we would have to do the uh, their targets, but like they can just re-tether. We might waste a lot of damage because you know they're invulnerable when they tether. 
and uh, that was a real issue there and on the second time we actually um, dropped all the supers on zero and uh, you know tackled stuff that way and prevented that but that's a that's a risky move and that's not what you really want to do but we had no choice and uh, it worked out and our numbers were quite good that's always the thing right if you lose the first timer you can't expect to get better numbers on the second timer you know what i mean for you numbers went a little down probably i'm i'm not entirely sure to be honest and for us no no they were they were up. they were up between the first and the second timer but there were a lot of other factors that just didn't work out the first i it's the different of approach obviously you guys won the first timer by because you put the Keepsa into final, but that was really not the question. Like everybody expected to Keepsa to go to final because all you have to do is keep five yeah. titans, have t five titans shooting it. There's no way we can kill 400 titans by the time that five titans have reinforced the Keepsa, right? But my plan behind X47 1 was to just inflict as much damage as I could. We rode off the Keepstar the second you guys reinforced it and committed with all of it because we knew it was going to die. There's just no way you can defend the Keepstar properly from that big of a titan fleet because you can't wrap it. That's and correct. There's no way it was going to survive. My goal was to just do as much damage to, to you guys as possible, basically. I hoped to do more damage to you than you did to us. And in the third fight, first fight, that worked quite well because we grilled that Moloch that DC'd. And we also caught a lot of supers that jumped out to your midpoint. We had a group of people there, actually, that were catching just people that jumped out to um, the midpoint. And then we tackled them there and killed them there. We scanned a lot of people down that were DC'd as well. We, we had an extra squad of people doing that because I knew we weren't going to win the objective. I tried really hard to win the BR, like to win the battle report because that was the only way to sell the narrative to our members that we somehow made something good out of that fight. And that's also why I made that call to dock up the Faction Titans, right? Because I, I wanted to just have the BR be positive in our favor. So then after the X-47 shit is over, I could go to the members and be like, look, obviously Keepsa died, but we anticipated that. At least we made them pay two trillion esque or something, you know? Um, first X47, that worked out quite well. Second X47 went to complete shit, obviously, and that was terrible. Uh, there was a lot of factors that I couldn't really plan for, but, uh, you know, it, it was just what a bad call to go in. I should have just not, like, now after all of it is over, it's been almost two years since it happened. If Still I look back, if I, could, about it. <laughs> I, I would just know. I mean, I'm not really losing sleep. I made that call like a long time ago, but I decided, look, basically I should have stopped after the first X47, X47 one happened. I was happy with the result of that. And then we should have just not went for the second timer, basically. We did. You know, I made that call and I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just happy. Like I was pretty proud to be honest that we didn't lose a single inner titan because we refitted complete EM thermal and uh, even the ones that were primary survived. So um, yeah, we got a, we got all of that with, without a single titan loss from inner side. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think like I didn't enjoy the fight all that much. Um, I have to say, but. It's a good experience in the end, you know. It's a it's a cool thing to do. I, you know, heavy tie dye fights are never gonna be my favorite, but once a year, maybe twice a year, you can do it. I feel like that it's like part of the story. It's like a big thing, um, and you know, the servers held up, so it was a good fight, right? And and I think I wouldn't say they held up. They didn't crash, but you know, it yeah, wasn't well, exactly playable. 
but it was the potentially the biggest fight in gaming history, you know. I mean, the biggest yeah. super cap fleets of both, like, it's very Ever. rare. There was like a yeah. almost a thousand titans on grid, so yeah, that's crazy. So the servers didn't crash, so that's one good thing. Um, but yeah, so um, overall, I think for all sides, it's probably in the end uh, a memorable thing at least right so you know it's not the fight we we like but it's part of the story i just i just think yeah, it's, it's the same to have one of those every now and then i 100 percent agree it's the same thing i said in the zeit i was interviewed by the zeit like the the paper the german paper mm. uh, after x uh, I, I don't remember which fight it was but it was one of the bigger fights and i told him as well like these fights aren't fun but they're just part of the game sometimes you just have to grind through them there's like this occasion every you know, once a year that you just have to grind through it. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of commitment from some people within the coalition. And that kind of made me a bit sad and disgruntled as well afterwards, uh, especially with some of the people within NC, because I feel like, you know, as an FC, I don't have the option to just, oh, I might just DC it again. I'm just going to go to bed, log off, because being responsible, if I would just leave our entire Titan Superfleet exposed like that and go AFK or go to bed, I would, you know, get my head ripped off. But a lot of our line members, unfortunately, they, and I feel like that worked better in Goons. Um, they actually kept logging in. They sort of didn't lose as many people as we did. But within the first, like, two hours of X47, we lost, like, 40, 50% of our Titans. Uh, obviously, they were still on grid because they were still on grid because of the tie-dye. But those people had left the computer. When I asked for, like, an X count in Fleet Chat to see how many DDs we had available, mm. it was, like, 20, 30 axes out of, you know, 200 we should have or something like that. You know, there was like so many people that DC'd and then went AFK. I even I didn't even do uh, axes in-game anymore. I asked for people to X up on our ISC chat and we're like, okay, even if you DC'd right now, if you're technically still at your computer and ready to DD X up and X up in IRC. And there were so little people that kept, that stayed at their computer. And I got really disgruntled with that for a while. And now I calmed down a bit. I kind of accepted it. But uh, I got really, really mad because I was like, I can't leave. And you guys just decide, oh, I DC two times. This is kind of boring. I'm just going to log off and leave. Yeah, no shit, it's boring. I would like to log off and leave as well, but I can't because I'm the FC. So I kind of expect the same commitment from the members of the Alliance that I spend so much time, uh, you know, fighting for. And that really, really sort of made me question um, the the... the the commitment of a lot of the people in, in Panfam towards uh, these kind of engagements. So do you think that if the roles were reversed, would you think it would have been a different story? Because you guys are on the Keepstar and everyone who DCs or everyone who wants to, you know, just leave, they have a way better chance. They, they can just dock up and then log off. Or, like, if you DC and you're in tether range, they're like, eh, might, it might just work out. As soon as my weapon stem is gone, I'm going to be tethered. Or, you know, stuff like this. Um, oh, yeah, still, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the demographics. Role, I don't know the demographics of, like, Imperium versus us. But I think it would have been on a bit different if we were the attackers. I think, I think that is a factor, yes. Because people are like, I can go AFK. I'm probably going to save lock. It's like a 50-50, right? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still haven't really figured it out. I've kind of, I don't want to delve too much into it either. 
because I don't want to shit talk my own alliance all that much, but I kind of just accepted <laughs> it that, you know, I, I accepted that that's what it is. And that's just how it's going to be. And that's also how I plan campaigns and how I make my decisions. It's also one of the reasons why we did nothing at all when the Imperium invaded Tribute and Vale and the North, right? In, in late last year, basically, mm, uh, 2018. Terrible. Because I knew that if we got into a serious fight like that, that A, we couldn't win it because you guys outnumber us so much. And B, I wasn't sure I would have the commitment of my alliance to back me up in a fight like that. So I just decided I'm not going to do anything at all. I did a couple of like smaller fights. I I destroyed this one uh, Imperium Baltech fleet one day with Headliner together. We just they were reinforcing one of our forts and we flash formed a, a Munin fleet with Horde and PL and NC and we went and smashed that Baltech fleet because they weren't prepared for us at all. And it was super fun. That was like the one fleet I think I did during that entire invasion. But I wasn't going to commit anything major at any point in time. And I, I think everybody was pretty clear about that in our in the north. Yeah, and then, like, so at the time, I was trying to push the Imperium, like Asha and the other guys, to then try to cut you off and kill P3. And we did that later on. I felt like maybe it was too late. And then you probably already knew, like, if P3 falls, so for, like, maybe I should explain it. You're moving Supers and Titans around, and there's a Super and Titan feed. Uh, in the area that's bigger than yours, you have to use Keepstars. Like, if you get caught with your pants off on a Fortisar, that's it. You know, you're gonna lose, like, several Titans uh, if you jump, like, a massive fleet onto a Fortisar. The only way to move it safely would be uh, from Keepstar to Keepstar. And the only Keepstar in range for you guys would have been P3 to get back, you know, towards safety. Like, did you guys um, see that right away? Um, yeah. Were you prepped for that? Yeah, I thought yeah, so. We so I thought it's a 50-50 chance. Maybe if we can play it off as if like, oh yeah, we can't kill this. That's the only reason why we're killing this. And then uh, still going for the IHUB. Like we formed fleets still for the IHUB for... Um, what, was the, what was your staging at the time? SH-1 or SH-1, exactly. SH-1 uh, IHUB or like any constellation IHUBs there. Like show interest and maybe get you guys focused on that and then kill the Keepstar and hopefully you guys can just, you know, stay there and, you know, act like, oh, hmm, we didn't care about this Keepstar, that's not our staging. And then maybe realize too late, I thought maybe it's a 50-50 chance that you don't notice, but, you know, the second, uh, you know, that thing uh, went into ref, uh, you guys already extracted. So it didn't work, but I thought uh, that was one of the more interesting uh, things about the whole thing there. Yeah, it was worth a try, but uh, you know, we we did see that coming. The funny thing is that the after X forty seven, right after that whole thing happened, um, we obviously knew that Tribute and Vale, the second you guys or the Imperium rather goons main force decide to come back in full force, it was gonna fall. Like we didn't have any illusions about defending it. Um, and I've been wanting to move us into Jones for like a long time, basically. Ever since, I don't know, like late 2017, I guess, I started being like, hey, look, we already own all of drones, but we rent it out. Why don't we make this our little delve, right? Why don't we move into drones and just set up shop there and have safe mining, safe industry, blah, 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 because it's so remote. And I found a system, right, that that's currently also our main home, quote unquote, staging in, in drones is NSI. 
because from NSI, you can reach 222 systems with one Titan bridge. There's 222 systems in range, in Titan range of NSI. So we have 220. Yeah, it's insane. There's 222 systems we can protect with our umbrella from NSI that people can rat in, that people can mine in, that people can do whatever they want in from a single system. No other region in the game has that. And I, I really wanted to utilize it, but it took a lot of convincing to do that. And then obviously when the goon invasion came, which is, you know, like you said earlier, you thought that we would just go back into tribute. We kind of, we got evicted from tribute and value. It was like, oh, well, now we might as well go to drones because nothing held us in tribute anymore. I was kind of sad about it because I wanted to do it earlier than we did. I kind of wanted to just pack everything up we have in tribute and just go there, you know, without you guys pushing well, us you, out. But did some people, stuff too. yeah, yeah, we did, obviously. Um, but you know, we, we didn't really fully move out and I was kind of meh, like I tried for it, but the leadership didn't go for it. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then we got evicted and then the leadership was like, well, now we might as well go there. And then we went there. <laughs> so it kind of oh. worked out. I mean, overall, like nobody should be too mad about all this. Like tribute is now uh, filled with like smaller alliances. Like we talked about it earlier and now you've got what you wanted. Right. A little bit yeah, but it turns out it turns out NC doesn't them. want that. Like this is just a different culture. I I figured yeah. you know I figured the only way we can compete with Imperium anyway, like obviously we're never going to reach the same kind of mining numbers and whatever that they do. But I would at least wanted to build some stuff. kind of competitive industry, right? Um, but we tried it. We went to NSI. We set up shop. We set up all the infrastructure and drones, and we were like, okay, now you guys can go crab and make money, and nobody did it. And we were like, oh. Well, looks like nobody in NC dot wants to do it. So then we deployed to Tina, right? And I just—it's also another fact that I just accepted that NC dot is at its core a PvP alliance, and most members just don't care about mining and crabbing. Obviously, they make some money to keep their accounts alive and buy ships, but they don't yeah. want to mine twenty-four-seven. The thing is, though, that's just something that I accepted. It's very similar in it, right? Like we are at its core, we are also PvP. Like that's—that's that's always going to be our focus. Like. Where do we get what our guys want? Like they want to kill shit. But at the same time, it's very hard to get any uh, any content of that sort. And you guys had to deploy to Tina to get some content, but it's not you know it's not that easy. It's a different time zone and all that stuff. So like I bet like a lot of guys in NC are probably not super happy with that either. And like where do you go? You know, if it's just a little bit too big for the few groups we have right now and that's what i feel like at least because everyone is so condensed under the umbrellas it's like very hard to just go out and get those good fights especially for the size of a group like that nc is or even in it right we're like comparable size um you have like twice our characters on your alliance by the way well that's really call it comparable if yeah but like there's but, a reason for that, right? And you have in it, you have in it initiative mercenaries as well. But so let's whenever I talk numbers, I always talk numbers. Like if we form a strat up, how many people can we form? And if you form a strat up, like how many? Yeah, people that, in that and regard, fairly, we are somewhat similar. Yeah, I mean, some some alliances just clean up their stuff way better. Like I would say, I would count you guys to that. You like clean it up a little bit better, probably a lot more of a culture of having your care bears and other alliances, maybe in Horde or whatever. In uh, in it, for example, we don't care too much if like if your alliance if your corp, for example, has a little bit of um, 
like fat on it, character-wise and stuff. It's not obsec-wise. It's not good. I've been pushing to clean up forever, right? Like there was this one corp in uh, in IM, like for ages, the worst corp I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not even. I don't even feel bad for saying it, but it's a corp called Ember Inc. They came up over from uh, from uh, Legacy. And they were just so shit, and we like I couldn't get Bliss to, to remove them. It took ages, right? So we just don't clean up our alliance all that much. But I think number-wise on field, we're very much comparable. Yeah. Um. So we talked about like so. Uh, one more time uh, we fought against NC was like before World War B, but you weren't in a C, uh, NC at the time. Um, and we were flying a doctrine called uh, Snatch uh, a lot at the time. Did we ever fight? Did you ever fight um, like a Snatch fleet at the time? Probably didn't, huh? Uh, no, not really. I was I didn't really bother with Snatching all that much. I just I remember that there was like this one time that uh, it was PK running most of the EOTC fleets back then in NC, right? And the EUPK, Poisonous Kevin or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember that one time he had all of his Macarius fit Sinos and then like light Sinos on like 150 oh Macarius so he could snatch them or something. And there was like, what I was like, what are you doing? Like, the well, worst all of us, if all of us have Sinos up, you can't snatch us. And I was like, uh, buddy, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you that. You know who one. that did? I, I didn't fight him at the time. Like that never, I don't even remember doing that. But uh, you know who, who did that too? Ragnar Bile, who is now in PL, I believe. Oh, is he still? I know he's somewhere else. He doesn't play anymore. Pete left PL, right? I'm yeah, pretty sure Pete sure. left PL, went to FRT or went to PL. Oh, I don't yeah. even know anymore. But Ragnar, he's a cool dude. Like, I was like, like, we had some easy uh, you know, conversations and stuff. Like, he's a good dude. But he was in culture at the time. So we fought him, and he did that with Feroxes. <laughs> so he had all his guys and, uh, put Ferox, uh, signers on the Feroxes. And when we started snatching them, they lit Sinos, but a lot of them were too late. So a lot of them were stuck, like 100km off the fleet and all that stuff. It was a complete shit show. But our fleet was so tiny, we couldn't kill all that much. But it was hilarious. When I saw that and the, the grid lit up with Sinos, that was too funny. I would have loved to do that with Macarius. Holy shit. I linked you a picture in, um, in links and videos in your Discord, which I think what I think needs to happen to Eve to, for it to be more healthy again. So uh, you could look at that. It's uh, very let me, rough. Let me link it in. Let me link it in uh, thingy chat. Yeah. Obviously, that's just, you know, it's a meme. That's not going to happen. But I feel like there's just no need, right? Like, why would anyone leave their home except for just, you know, killing somebody else because they can? Just no need to move around because everybody just... You know, Delve, like it's insane how much, how many characters, how many people, goons, stuff into Delve and Quarius. And it works, right? Like they are by far, by far the biggest alliance in the game and they fit all of that into Delve, which is a fairly small region. Delve isn't that big of a region. Yeah. Imagine how many people you could theoretically put into drones. It is just, it's so, just never going to happen. Yeah. Like one of the things I suggested before is that the more, I mean, obviously, uh, resource depletion that's an that should be an obvious thing you know so if you mine a lot that after a while 
there's nothing more to mine. It should just be... It should be so obvious, I don't even know why we even talk about it. But then the same also with rats and the respawn stuff. And I think there's there, there should be an easy way to, to fix that. And when you say, for example, the more you rats, the higher your security st status of the system should be. Right? Obviously, if there's a lot of ratting going on, it should be more secure. Right? Yeah. So, and but then eventually, zero zero would turn into high sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, right? And then everyone's moving to low sec to uh, to do whatever and or run missions. Like I don't even care, right? But um, that would be chaos. Yeah, but then you have an incentive to you know move out of that space and you know stay a little bit more flexible. I mean, um, like like this is more of a meme, but like, what do you think is the most important thing you think? CCP really needs to address. Like, do you have something on your list there? I mean, you sh I'm sure you do, because, I mean, you're XCSM member. I'm sure you had a long list and brought it forward. Uh, to be honest, this might sound like a really boring answer, but the main issue with CCP is the company itself, not, the like, the way that they work internally. It is like, there's a lot of devs. For example, we had a big discussion about the soft system again, and now one of our FC's channel recently, and I told them, the, the developers at CCP they know that the soft system is bad and they want to change it, but they simply can't because they don't decide what they change, right? They get a they get a plan, a development plan by their leadership. They're being told, this is what you have to work on. This is what we think needs to happen with the game. And the leadership of the game just doesn't think that Zoff is in the priority at the moment. And that's why it's not being worked on. And they know, like the devs, the devs themselves, people like CCP Rise, CCP Fozzy, if you talk to them, they will agree to you. They will straight up say, yeah, I, I see that the system isn't working out very well. But unfortunately, we can't really work on it because it's not on our timesheet or whatever, right? Like yeah. that's how it, that's what the issue is. It's not like they don't know the problems with EVE. It's they don't have the manpower. Manpower is a very big issue as well. Dev time is the currency. The yeah, time, and, yeah, and dev time, right? It's manpower and dev time, and they have neither. And that's a big, big problem at the moment. And that's why, uh, that's what I think the biggest issue is. Obviously, that's not like a gameplay answer. Uh, if you would ask me what I think in-game needs to happen, there's so many things, right? Like caps need to be addressed. Freaking soft needs to be addressed. Structures need to be addressed. The whole idea behind the blackout wasn't a bad idea, but they did it terribly with just turning local off instead of, you know, there's like 20 elegant ways of, having local be a part of the game without just granting you perfect intel on somebody. Um, but obviously, what did they, they didn't have the time. They didn't have the, the resources to develop that kind of system. So they just switch it off because it's easy, right? And that's a lot of the changes that CCP makes, unfortunately, work that way. They know that there's technically better solutions they could find, but they don't have the time and the resources to implement them. So they could just go with the easy Band-Aid solution. And then that sucks most of the time, yeah. right? And that was always my, uh, what do you call it? Maybe my fear, my um, concern that there is a systematic uh, problem behind all these little issues. Right? And I call them little issues. They're really big issues, actually. Citadels, Super Titans, the soft mechanic, uh, local, you know. It's like those are big issues that, you know, maybe on a daily basis, nobody, like, you don't notice them all that, all that much, but over time, they really, like, they deplete 
uh, the game of content, I feel like. And um, yeah, I I just hope they're gonna change some. I mean, it feels like I'm not sure if you can talk at all about that, but it feels like with like Team Talos, he seems like so CCP Rise seems to have a little bit more power now, a little bit more uh, leverage on like what's being done, what's not being done. I could be wrong there, or like I'm just guessing. It just comes across like maybe we're gonna see some more drastic changes to stuff. Telos, Team Telos is a great idea, and I really hope that they can keep up the pace with the changes because that was one of the things I've been talking to CCP Rice specifically about and very much told them. And please, before I say this in Twitch chat, you guys don't get mad at me for comparing EVE to games like League of Legends because obviously it's a different game and I know it's something else. But one way I like, one thing I did like back when I actually cared about League was, you know, they introduced a new champion every, or back in my day that was like, literally 10 years ago when I played League, right? Uh, they would introduce a new champion every month and the champion would be OP and then they would fix it. But for that one month, like two weeks later, three weeks later after the release of the champion, they would nerf him, right? Obviously, they did that to make money because everybody would buy the champion with real money, blah, blah, blah. I know that, but... They're just way quicker to iterate. Yeah, what was fun about that was they introduced a new champion. It completely shook up the meta for three weeks, and then he was nerfed, and then the meta kind of went a bit stable again. And then a new champion came. It completely changed up the meta, and then they nerfed him, and then this meta was a bit stable again. You can't do it with such a fast pace in EVE, obviously, because there's industry involved. You have to build the ships that you use. You have to produce whatever infrastructure that they introduce into the game. But I would really like the meta of EVE to switch up every six months or so, right? Like they introduce a new ship, like a new trick ship, for example, or they nerf the Munin really hard and they buff the Zealot, right? Like I love Zealot fleets. My favorite fleet comp of all time are Maelstroms and Zealots, right? I would really like them to just buff the shit out of the Zealots so everybody stops flying Munins, everybody flies Zealots for a couple of months. Then CCP realizes, oh shit, the Zealot is OP. They nerf it again and they make another ship strong so that the meta changes up so it doesn't get stale. Like I was so happy, unironically, when they buffed the Munin. What, how long ago is that now? Over a year, right? Like over one and a half years when they buffed the Munin. I was so happy because the Munin was dead before it. I was like, finally, we can fly the Munin again. Such a fun ship. Finally, I can FC the Munin because I never FC'd the Munin before. I only flew with Elo FCing it, and that was his signature chip. And I was like, finally, I can FC the Doctrine that my, you know, my 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 uh, inspiration flew right. Yeah, so I was like really happy I could fly, FC the Munin. But now the Munin has been the meta dominating ship for the last year and a half. It's fucking boring. I want to see a new ship BOP again. And and that, that's just something that they can't figure out for some reason. And I really, really hope that Team Telos does exactly that. I really hope that they nerf what is broken at the moment. Then something else will become strong. The meta will change. People will fly new doctrines. People have to adapt. And then they nerf it again and so on and so on. So, yeah, I hope they do exactly that. But on top of it, I hope they're not afraid to touch bigger things. Because I feel like the whole blackout thing, because it was poorly done, that might just scare them off uh, touching things in significant ways. For example, citadels. I, like I, I, I don't want to go on a rant here, but it's um, you know there's some real issues with them, and it's not done with like some timer changes and stuff like this. There needs to be done way more. Like if you think back about the station days, you know, you had stations you could dock there, 
but the second you undock, like you, like you're in a PvP environment, you know. And now you have a massive tether range of I don't even know how, how wide, and like it's just so many like the defenses of it and all that stuff. Like there's so much wrong with those. Like there's working so against content, and there's so many of them. That's the like that's probably one of the major issues with them. They never limited them, even though they should have known better. You know, oh, there's going to be only like few keepsters in the game. Like, no, dudes, like, do you know this game by now? It's the same argument they had with Titans, right? There's going to be only like three Titans in the game. Like, it's there. Yeah, that was so hilarious. That was yeah. so good. So they should have known this and limit them. Like, maybe limit keepsters, like one keepster per region, or let's say two keepsters per region. A few Fortisars, maybe, or like Sotios. You don't need a Sotio in every second system. Just yeah, I would really like a limit lazy. like yeah. that. I would really like a limit, like maybe one keepster per constellation maximum. I wouldn't even mind one keepster per region. That would because technically be the keepster is supposed to be, the the keepster is supposed to be the giant home foothold of your alliance, right? So I feel like if they would limit it to one keepster per region and then maybe one fort per constellation and then. I don't know, maybe two or three smaller structures per system. I think that would be really cool. And I, like right now, off the top of my head, I can't of really think of any bad like reasons why not to do that. But I'm sure there will be people that will tell me a lot of bad, uh, you know, things that are bad about that. But I think it sounds cool because right now you have systems where you know in Delve you have systems like five keep stars, four keep stars. We have systems with a keep star and then like. 30 forts and like 100 astra houses around it so there's like no way you can ever really deny the, the people to be on that grid yeah it's just so many structures and they're so hard to remove i still don't understand why astra houses have even one reinforcement timer for all i care astra houses or retarus or something could just pop or maybe have one small reinforcement timer i don't get why they have to have three timers it just makes no sense and then every time you bring it up with Every time you bring it up with somebody at CCP, they go like, but what about the little guy? What if they get evicted? They have to prepare for defending this shit. And what about like, the little guy? Oh. How are they supposed to hit the bigger guy then? Bro. Yeah, like, come That's on. The little guy, I get it. But, you know, if, you, if you're not capable of defending your structure, you don't deserve to own one. Period. And yeah, no, and also, like, the uh, little guy, it's not like the little guy's chances are going, like, up on the second time or third time, huh? It's just going to be a lot more fucking work and a lot more painful, I feel like. It's not working for the little guy either. I think, at least. No, no, it isn't. It isn't at yeah. all. And I think that not only that you should limit... So, like, I actually wrote down a proposal. I'm not sure if you re uh, read a um, my Reddit post a while back. I posted a couple of things that I thought uh, that need to change. Um... And one of them was citadels to a degree. I left out the whole limit citadels thing because I didn't want people to focus on it too much. But I actually wrote it down and I wanted to limit the citadel types, let's say, like a combat citadel or whatever they call them, like keep stars, for stars, astrosers. Then you have um, obviously um, refineries like Tataras and Athanors. And then you have uh, Aspels and so on for production. Right, so limits the type, so you can ha only have let's say two combat citadels per system. You can only have one keepster per region. You know, there's there's like a couple, uh, you know, 
limitations and then also limit them uh, with the size so you don't have a Keepstar and a Tatara and a Satio all in one system for like maximum laziness and everyone can just wobble. no this system might be your staging system and then the system next door might be your industry system you know what I mean and then you yep. don't have a Satio in every system because you know they just got too much cash and they're like oh, well might as well I don't want to whoop around my freighter too much um, no, there should be, like, it's all opportunities that are lost because of this, you know. Um, and it's just, you know. And I think it's it's still possible to do it, because a lot of people will probably say, like, but how do you do it now? There's already too many citadels in there. Yeah, and you're, like, they're right to a degree. But I think if you give it a deadline, let's say, hey, we fucked up in half a year, we're going to implement the, the citadel limitations, and on day X, um, it, it's going to start that, you know, every citadel that shouldn't be there af uh, after the new rules, um, they're going to start unanchoring, you know. And then for the attacker side, if you anchor, for example, you have a keepster in a system, and you also have a Fortisar, but you shouldn't have a second Fortisar, um, if you anchor one anyway, it should go up, it should go online. But after 10 days, it should go offline again. That way, like attackers, like if you guys want to invade Delft, for example, and you want to, you know, anchor Fortisa, in that time, you can have the a chance to actually remove a combat citadel of, uh, you know, the opposing force. And then, you know, have your uh, beachhead or whatever you want to call it. So I think there are ways to get it right. You know? It's a complex issue. But yeah, I think it definitely needs to be done. And then Supers and Titans, which is interesting, we talked about it before. Asha and you, both like of the biggest sides, biggest Super Cap FCs in the game right now, I think. Um, both agree. Remove them if you if you want to, but that's not going to happen. So you you both agree in that they need to be nerfed to you know to a degree. Which is kind of interesting. The guys with the most of them agree to that. Yeah, and that's me saying it. Even though right now they work in our favor because the supers and titans are the only real force multiplayer left in the game. Whereas we can fight Deadco and RR and Sip Squad. Like we can fight the whole branch coalition Deadco basically, even if they outnumber us in subcaps because we have at least in EUTZ we have super cap superiority, right? And we can take some fights that we might not be able to take just on a subcap merit. Um, but the the way that they work is just so boring that like they have to be just changed or you know like I said right now I probably wouldn't care too much about them being removed but at the end of the day they are the only real force multiplayer left in this game there's no other force multiplayer left all that but much taxes carriers dreads are force multipliers to a degree right yeah yeah that's true I guess but yeah I mean carriers are really kind of yeah what Dreads are fine, hard dreads, I think. They're really, really cool. Uh, and I like the fact that, you know, they can actually die unless, unlike a horde titan. Who cares that a horde titan does like what? a third of the DPS of a horde dread, right? Because the horde titan just can't die. Horde dread gets volleyed by a bunch of ships. So, like, when you FC, do you do, do you do like only big fleets or do you sometimes take out like 20 man roams or like, you know? Nah. Bring, right? So, the issue I have like with 20 man roams is that. I hate going 50 jumps to maybe find a fight. 
if there's like a, a system I can go to. So for example, back when we staged in, uh, we, there was a little period where we had reset hot when we were staging in HTAC5, I think it was with NC dot. And we actually reset hot for a short period of time because we wanted to be neutral with them and kind of fuck with them a bit. And I would actually take, you know, 40, 50 man gangs over to the staging because I knew I would fly these 15 jumps and somebody in Horde would form up and fight me. But just randomly flying off into space, hoping I can find somebody to kill or, or uh, fight is not really my style. I don't really like doing that all that much. Yeah, I think nowadays it's like on average, it's very hard to be successful with it. You know, back in the day, like let's say 2012, you had a way higher chance of taking out 10 guys and then actually getting a fight. A fight that you can win, a fight that you don't get like super dropped on you. Uh, nowadays, I think it's just way harder. It just this, and on average, yeah, it probably isn't worth it on average if you do it. You know, you have to be really good at exactly what you do. Like everyone who watches my like roams every now and then, like usually we whelp like smaller fleets. You know, that's not that expensive and stuff like this, because I mean, it's just the risk you put that fleet into every time. Um, there's like the blobs are just bigger and like everyone ha is very aware of the umbrella mechanics you know Sino goes up supers jump in that's problem solved for them um it's very tough right now for roaming stuff then get better panda yeah, yeah, yeah i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> but yeah i think the times have changed uh, plays a big role there yeah very much i also want to respond to the question of uh, Okulu in chat, he said, I fear what FCs are saying and what CSM is telling CCP are two different things. From my experience in the CSM, I can tell you that the CSM is pretty aware of what the issues are. Right now, we have Vili in the CSM, who is a, a very much a large-scale FC for test, obviously. We have Gobbins in there, who is the Alliance leader of Horde. They know what the problems of the games are. Obviously, everybody has a little bit of a different view on it. But uh, from my personal experience in the CSM, politics, in-game politics, are very much set aside uh, for the CSM meetings and summits. So, for example, my CSM summits that I attended, we always sat down the, day, the night before the first CSM men, uh, meeting, and we basically agreed to a CSM agenda that all the people within the CSM, no matter where they came from, agreed to. We set out, those are our three main points that we want to push during this CSM summit. And then we pushed them wherever we could, right? And those three points was agreed, were agreed on by all of the CSM members, right? Otherwise, we would talk, discuss, and maybe come up with new points. So in-game politics didn't matter all that much. Obviously, people are never going to believe that until they are part of the CSM, because I like conspiracies are fun. But, um, you know, that's my personal, personal uh, point of view. That's how the CSM worked when I was there. Obviously, things could change, but at least in my time, it was very constructive and wasn't like any meta gaming. There was a little bit of meta gaming, but not that much. Yeah, I mean, um, so what I always wonder is like, is the CSM other guys getting along so they can yeah. do that? And Most of the time, yes. Obviously, obviously, there's people you like and there's people you like less, right? Uh, like for example, Merkel Chen, who is the CEO of Karma Fleet and Goons, he's probably the greatest guy i've ever met in the csm he's just so fun to be with he's fun to drink with he's fun to talk to he's fun to hang out with he's fun to have lunch with he's just a fun guy you just want to be around him 
And he was like the person I got along with the best. Uh, obviously, he made me an offer to join Goons straight away. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> you know, maybe one day, who knows? One but, day. Um, when Goons become the small scale or the mid scale uh, content PvP alliance, right? Yeah, I, there you go. Omega Sings 5% meta gaming. There's some, you know, but not that much. No, definitely. Like, there's, there's a, most of the people on the CSM I met were super cool and fun to hang out with. We went out basically every evening after the CSM sessions. We went out to bars. We went out to drink and eat together. It was always fun. And uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't. There was like no hard feelings uh, in my time, really. That's also uh, what the about Sword doing? Oh, yeah, I can talk about that if you want. Uh, what about. Somebody asked, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because there was I mean, like this guy that, huh? yeah. go on. So for the, like, I'm just going to explain. So what mm -hmm. we are talking about is the, the whole narrative of like test deploying up with the, with the comment of like, yeah, I think sword is bad for the CSM, for the game because he's on the CSM now and we want to kill his voter base. Which is kind of weird if you really wanted it. I said it before. I don't think that's the way to go, but um, even if he kills the coalition, there's a fair chance a lot of people don't like Vili and then say, oh, well, we can fuck with Vili by voting for Sword. But hey, whatever. But yeah, that's the narrative. Um, and you haven't been on the CSM when that happened. Obviously, Sword replaced your seat in the CSM. So what do you think happened? What's your best guess? Oh, I mean, I know what happened, right? Because I know what they said, and I know the way we usually approach the CSM. And Vili has a, a, the CCP with the CSM. And Vili wanted to do a new approach on how to, uh, on how to go to CCP. Basically, talking and communicating with CCP can be very difficult at times because some people in the staff, they're very... I want to call it unprofessional in the sense that if you call one of their ideas bad, if they introduce a project that they're working on, or if they maybe show you a new idea for a ship, and you go and be like, mm, that's an interesting idea, but with those numbers and you know that kind of stuff, that ship is really bad. It's not going to be good for the game. It's going to ruin something, for example. A lot of the devs at CCP, they take that stuff super personal, and they just end up not talking to you anymore at all. There was this one really stupid thing i obviously can't tell you what but there was this one really stupid thing that ccp1 suggested and um a person in csm was very outspoken about it being a terrible idea he said something like this is a super retarded idea the dev in charge of that idea ended up never talking to that csm member again because he was so hurt by the person calling it a bad idea and it's kind of unfortunate because it's a bit like a kindergarten in my opinion if you can't take criticism on something you work on then i don't know what you are looking what you're well, doing in a professional environment in my opinion maybe it's different because in germany we have obviously have a very different culture at work as maybe icelandic culture is different i don't know but basically what the but the problem between Vili and sword was um we sort of established this way of communicating with ccp that we always approached them very carefully we always did it very you know, kind of through the flower. We never really told him straight up if we thought something was a bad idea. We always kind sure of through the flower to... is, a, is an English. Yeah, that's probably not a thing. In, but in I English, think everyone but... gets it. Yeah, we try to we try to you know smoothen it out really well so they wouldn't get mad if we called their idea bad. We try to sort of package it in a nice pink you know wrapper paper and then give it give it to them and then they were like, oh, this is, sucks, right? Yeah, CCP devs are snowflakes, exactly. So. And Willy had a different approach. Willy basically came onto the CSM and said, I'm going to tell them 
directly what I think is bad. I'm going to tell them exactly what I think they need to change. And I'm not going to do any of the sugar coating at all. Right. And that's just a major disagreement that Sword has with Willie because Sword has a lot of experience on a CSM and he basically told Willie, hey, I think you shouldn't do that. I think it's going to hurt the relationship of the CSM with CCP. And Willie said, I don't know if he said that right, but that's just my point of view. Billy, Billy basically said, you know, fuck that. I'm just going to do it anyways because I know it works that way. And Billy has a lot of experience in what he does because he is in the military. He knows how to run stuff. Like in my opinion, if you are part of the military, obviously works a bit different in the military than in a, in a private company, right? But still, he knows how being in charge of something works. And that was basically what their argument was about, in my opinion. And um, that is... Yeah, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on it. Honestly, I don't really care. I was pretty happy when Tess said they were going to deploy up and help us because cool, we can use the numbers and <laughs> Which is working weird, with ProGuard is always fun. I you mean, know, working with ProGuard is always hilarious. Um, so yeah. I was up for it, but that's basically what happened from my point of view. And it's just sad. Like, I feel like the fact that that has to be a topic in the first place is just kind of sad. This is kind of comes back to my opinion that the biggest issue with EVE is the internal structure of CCP at the moment. Because there is just, you can't really talk to these. And again, I'm sorry if some of the CCP devs are listening or maybe get this linked later because I know that happens. Not all of the CCP devs are like, there are totally some devs that I talk to that are completely cool and approachable and you can talk to them very open, but some aren't. And that's why the CSM has established this culture of sugarcoating stuff a lot, right? You know what, I do understand sort of example with the guy, like with his little idea or like big idea, I don't even know, his idea. And then a CSM guy saying this is absolutely retarded. I mean, that comment is kind of emotionally charged too. You know what I mean? So I totally get it that if you worked on a project and you think it's the best idea ever, you bring it forward and then it gets crushed by some CSM guy. I totally get it that you take that personally. Take yeah, you can be mad for a day. day. You can be mad exactly. for a week. Yeah, exactly. But you're exactly. not going to be mad forever. Yeah. Like, that's just you unprofessional. To, yeah, you have to be able to then approach it and say, okay, he might have not picked the best constructive choice, uh, like the, the constructive words for it, uh, for it, right? Calling it retarded. That's um, not the best way to approach anything, I think. But um, there must be something there. And then sit down with the guy. And usually, like from my experience at least, if you sit down with people, they usually say like, oh, like I appreciate that you actually give a shit and let's talk about it. And then that usually that's where the constructive stuff comes out as uh, like the first time. It's not the yep. first comment that is usually the most constructive. Right? It's just there is a problem there. You have to find out what the problem is though. Um, yeah, it's, that's kind of, you know, running a company one-on-one, I would say. But I don't know. I don't run a company, so. Moon 2K3 makes another great point about, you know, the devs, a lot of the devs not playing the game, which now they've lifted that whole thing where they have to be super secret about them playing, which is great. Um, I really hope that some of the devs really take that deal. Basically, they take the opportunity to. Yeah, yeah, I know some of them do. Uh, but I really hope that they go out and become involved in alliances as well so they actually understand the game mechanics because sometimes it was really weird when we went to a CSM session and we wanted to wanted to talk about the terrible lag in a certain fight or we wanted to talk about how OP a certain doctrine is. And some of the devs, 
they just didn't know what we were talking about at all. It was like we had actually we actually had to explain the game to them. And how, I, I, I obviously I don't work in game design. I, I feel like maybe sometimes it is like that, but I didn't understand how is it possible that we as the players we have to explain the game to the people that develop it, and it happens so often, and it just. I, I I was like, that's kind of when I started losing hope, right? There's also a reason why I dropped out of the CSM. Main reason is that I am really, really active in my real life now in terms of working. I actually have a full-time job and everything now, so I just simply don't have the time to put in anymore. But I also would say that the CSM also like, it kind of, you know, for, for people that do not join the CSM, there's always this light at the end of the tunnel. There's like, surely CCP has a great master plan. Surely this is all going to get better at some point. And me being in the CSM just kind of took that away. I still believe that there is a chance, obviously, for the game to recover. I'm not one of those guys that says CCP, uh, Eve is dead. I'm not one of those guys. But I just didn't want to be part of the CSM anymore because I don't... I want to get that light back. I want to get that hope back that Eve is going to be great one day. And I just didn't want to see the internal workings of CCP anymore. I just wanted to enjoy the game with the little time I have left. I just want to get as much enjoyment out of this game as possible and not deal with the problems of it. Yeah, I totally get that. Totally do. And, um, you know, I feel like with a couple changes, um, I have a little bit more hope now. With the, you know, the, the, the those filaments they brought out, it might just be a little thing for small roamers, but... That's great, it's great. Yeah. The, like, the, main, the just... main reason they're scared to release it is... But what about the persistency of our universe? Fuck it, man. Just release them. Just make them permanent. Those things were so it's much fun, man. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, and I think, like, it, it not... I mean, it's not only that they're great and stuff, but they also tell me that they're actually looking at, okay, content creation, people need to get out and have that chance of, you know, you can't just do 50 jumps and then maybe get a fight, like, this way. You take that leap of faith and maybe you get lucky. And there's going to be way more people active and doing stuff because of it. And I really hope they're going to implement something permanent very soon. I mean, I think they're probably going to do that probably on FanFest. That's probably one of the, the major things they want to finish before FanFest, I can imagine. Um, and I just like, there's a couple of things that I just see where I think, all right, they, they at least admit there is a problem here. And uh, like, hopefully they're working on it. Like the Jomi siren changes and stuff like this. You know, didn't go quite far enough. I feel like, but they admit there's a there's a there's an issue they're working on. So yeah, they don't have the death time to do it perfectly. Like you said, that's always the a little bit of a shame. But yeah, and then um, but so you were talking about the CSM uh, guys. Do you think, like, obviously there's 10 people on the CSM. Do you think they are, like, the whole group is diverse enough? Um, no. And then also Hell the no. knowledge gap. Yeah, so. It's all zero zero people, right? And, like, one guy from HiSec, and then maybe one and guy from LawSec. Exuki is on there. I mean, we, we can't oh, yeah, order Exuki on there. He got True. just barely on. Um it's like, do you think the the main issue? Obviously, you're very aware of the voting mechanics. You have to be if you want to get on. You have to understand what's going on. And how it works is that um, 
if I vote for dude 1, 2, 3, and 4, and dude 1 goes gets already on, let's say that's you, and then my second vote isn't even needed for him to get on, my second vote trickles down to dude 2. And so that way, my alliance, if it's the biggest, it's in this case, let's say Goonswarm, they have just the most efficient way of making use of all their votes. And that way, they get the most people on there. Uh, I'm a, how, how many do we have? Three? And it's not even their fault. It's like the trickle-down mechanic of things just forces big null blocks to make the perfect, efficient use of every single vote. And that's, I think, yeah. that's the main reason why the why the diversity of the CSM is just so, you know, bad. Yeah, I mean, see, that's, that's you know, the voting system is obviously a joke, in my opinion. I, I don't know how to fix it because I have no idea about voting systems. But um, <clears throat> the way I did my campaign to get reelected into the CSM, I didn't have to, like, I basically did what Aerith did, where he always, like, on the public forums, he always posts, like, I don't care if you vote for me or not because my coalition's going to vote me in anyways. I didn't write it like that, but I, I did a super low effort post on the public forums. I did like, I put like nothing in there. I said like, hey, I'm Killer B, I'm NFC for this game and I've been in the CSM yeah. before. That's it, right? All I did to get into the CSM again was I talked to my alliance leader. I talked to PL's alliance leader. I talked to Test. Well, it's not, Willy is not the alliance leader, but I talked to Willy and I talked to Gobbins. I told him, hey, look, how about, you know, I'm going to be NC number one. How about I put the Horde candidate number two? You put me in number two in return. And I went to PL and said, hey, look, do you even guys even have a candidate? The headliner was like, no, we don't have a candidate. We're going to put you on number one and then the Horde candidate number two. I was like, great. Then I went to test. I was like, look, how about we put your candidate number three and you put me in number three in return. And it was like five conversations, 10 minutes, and I was in the CSM. I was dead, done. Why would I bother campaigning? Why would I bother going on? thousands of podcasts talk about myself when all I have to do is talk to five alliance leader and be voted in and then don't get me wrong I think it's terrible like, like because there's there's people there's this one guy commander ace from goons I think he quit now but commander ace uh, not eve but he quit running for CSM commander ace put so much effort into every single one of his campaigns right he went to all the podcasts he went he made a great post on the forums he made he went like to all the public events and participated into debates and shit like that, right? And he never got elected because he never had a big coalition block uh, backing him, right? Yeah, and that's you know that's I don't even know how the high sec. Uh, what's his name again? Steve, isn't Steve Renogan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he gets like, all the high sec votes, right? Yeah, but Most. like that's the problem about high sec. Usually, that the high sec guys are not aware all that much. And they don't care all that much, you know what I mean? And then there's only that one candidate that works kind of for him. There's only that one candidate really for Isaac um, that yep. I'm aware of. So if they want somebody on CSM, they need exactly. to find somebody they want to back. They don't have the choice there, you know? That's the problem that the Warmonger guys had. They have just enough votes to get them on, one Warmonger guy. But then everyone is split up in Warmonger space. Not necessarily crazily, but like... Let's say in like three kind of parties, you know, you have like the inner hell kind of group, and then you have like, um, uh, what's it, what's it, TD Sin, and you have the uh, like the Hardlocks part of it. They all work together in some ways and all that stuff, but it's like they're split up, so their voter base is all split up. So they always struggle to get anyone on because 
they're all like, oh yeah, I want my guy, but I hate the other guy. Like, yeah, but that's also their fault, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's half CCP's fault for the voting system being shit, and it's half the people's fault because they can't, they don't understand that the CSM is not about getting my guy on. The CSM is about getting the most competent guy in the field on. And it is about get putting your ego aside, putting your in-game politics aside, and putting the people on the CSM that are the most competent and what they're supposed to represent. And if the wormholders can't get their shit together and figure out whoever is the most competent guy, then they don't deserve to have somebody on the CSM. They did it. They got Exuki on, I think, from what I've seen working with him. He's a very competent guy. But when it comes to wormholes, good job. If Losek wants to have that, then Losek needs to get their shit together, forget about the in-game politics, find out whoever is the most competent for Losek and get them voted on. Losek has enough votes to get somebody on if they all vote for the same person or most of them, right? And we, with the, with the zero blocks, are in the luxury where we don't have to do that, right? Because we just we can just vote our guy in because we have so many votes. And then obviously Omega, who has just a lot of support from a lot of different groups as well. Yeah, I think Omeka did a great job with his campaign, like the timing of things and stuff, like with the video, the whaler. Not sure if you guys have seen it. Yeah, that video was amazing. And uh, in general, I think the timing and stuff, it just worked out well. And he got way more votes than I would have expected, to be quite honest. I think he was like, what, candidate number three to get in? Or two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he got in He got in very easily. Yeah, that was surprising. Like, I thought he's going to be like one of those guys. Maybe he gets a slot. But yeah, I was pretty he, positive he was going to get on. basically like Brisk. I don't want to, no. Omeka, you're not like Brisk, okay? I'm sorry. But uh, in the sense that, so Brisk got in because he made a hilarious PR campaign and everybody kind of meme voted for him. Omeka is not a meme candidate. Omeka has a lot of knowledge about the game and what he does, he's the best at what he does, in my opinion. So he definitely deserves to be on CSM. Um, but he also did really well with PR. He got a lot of he got a lot of votes from the Guru Goons guys because everybody knows knows Omeka for how much damage he's been doing to Goons and Delve. Then he made a really, really good video. And we put Omeka on our list as well, just because, you know. We basically didn't know what to fill our ballot with. There wasn't enough good quote unquote candidates that we would like fill the 10 slots anyways. So we just slapped them on there as well, right? And a lot of other alliances did that as well. So he got a lot of combination of votes and he got in very easily. And it's good because we need somebody like him to balance out the, the zero, 00 block heavy part of the CSM. Yeah, I think a lot of times what also happened is so let's say NC, who are obviously on the Gurgoon side. Um, you have your candidates. You're number one. I don't know who's number two. Um, what do you some say? guy and some yeah. test guy. All right. So that's the list you give out to your guys. But what they actually vote is still their choice. They are just, you know, trusting in, you know, you, for example, saying, okay, those are the con candidates and you think they're best, then, you know, I believe you. And I don't have to research or do whatever because they're not informed, right? Not everyone goes and, and like reads every post and you know gets to know those candidates. Like, no, the voting starts, who are the best guys? And then they, they follow the guy they trust. In that case, it's you. And if you're number one, they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm voting for you. But a lot of them might, has, uh, might have also gone saying, oh, well, yes, I'm voting Killer B number one, but I know about this dude. Did you see the video, the whaler? I'm gonna put him number two or, you know, I put him number one because Killer B is getting on anyway. You know what I mean? That, that happened a lot, I would, I would uh, think. And that's probably why he got all those votes on top of it. Because a lot of people still think like, yeah, 
I know this guy. Like they only have seen a video and maybe an interview or something, but he got himself out there and people actually had the chance of getting to know the guy. Most of those candidates, you know, nobody knows really, you know, beside their own guys. It's not even that they want to vote only their guys. That's the only guys they know, right? And that's also why Brisk got those votes. They know the guy, not super well, but he puts himself out there, makes a video, and they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I like this dude. And boom, he gets on. I mean, on top of having us as backup, you know, backing him up from Init side. And yeah. Um, you know, I, I think like the whole voting thing, it's quite interesting, but it's not balanced, <laughs> like with the trickle-down thing. They have to stop that. And yeah, I hope they approach it for the next um, thingy. You don't think so? I like red, no, I, I like red thoughts in Twitch chat. He's basically firing at shots and how how Willy is the scourge of the CSM. I don't think he knows that uh, Robert Catrix is Willy, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yikes. Hey, at least you can talk face to face him now to him now. All good. Um uh, Willy undercover. I always forgot, like if you would have like he Willy actually jumped on on one of those. And I didn't know it was Willy either. And we were talking about Willy at the time. You know? Yeah, so. it took me a while to figure out this way, but there was like this one, I don't remember, I think it was a TIS that I was on with Willy and he basically responded with that Twitch name all the time, so I, I remembered it. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. The whole CSM topic is, uh, I don't know, it's yeah. hard because... It's, it really it comes down again. Technically, they could probably rework the way the CSM voting works, but are they going to spend any resources on it? I don't know. There's probably higher priorities in it. Um, it's it's with the with the limited resources and manpower that CCP has. It, it's all about prioritizing what are the biggest problems in Eve. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, from my point of view, the management of CCP and the player base of Eve has a very different opinion on what the priority needs to be. Um, Hopefully, that's being worked on by our current representatives. But from a dev time point of view, we talked about it before. Dev time is the big currency for them. Yeah. Like the CSM uh, voting system to rework that, that shouldn't be all that much uh, work. It should be fairly easy to do. And um, that should give you a more, like a better CSM, better feedback, so you can make better decisions and get a better game and you make more money and then you can you know have more devs therefore more dev time therefore you know it goes around and on so i think that's probably from a dev time efficiency point of view that's probably the best change they can make because it doesn't take much to change but you can get a lot out of it and yeah let's see um so we talked about the current direction of the game. Uh, do you have anything you think um, they have to do in this year? Like, let's say 2020, like... I have no idea what's on their roadmap at all. Like, Do they have a roadmap? I hope. Yeah, they have a roadmap. I don't know what's on it, so I don't really know what's what's going to happen, what I think needs to happen. I mean, we kind of talked about it already, right? But I, I also have a feeling that that's not going to happen. And so I just hope that in sooner than later, the subcap meta is going to change a bit. I'm kind of tired of Munins. 
Uh, I, I, I want something else to be good. I really wish that trick ships would be good in a larger scale as well. Yeah, likely not going. Likely not going to happen. But because of the spool up, the way the spool up works, they're just not very good because subcap fights even... are basically all about alpha, right? So I wouldn't even say the spool up is necessarily the big issue. I would say the range is a big issue because you're getting outranged by almost everything, while you're most likely going to be armor tanked if you're going to go for EHP. Um, and then, so they can dictate range and they outrange you. That's always a bad combo, right? So I think that's probably the main issue. On top of the spool up, how it works, um, you know, they have so much DPS, even non-spooled, that's quite nice. And if you have critical mass, you know, you might not alpha stuff, but the cycle time is low enough to two-shot stuff. So I, I would argue it's probably more the range and the the speed of um, of the trick ships that that's kind of in the way of using them big scale. Maybe it's a combination. It's probably it probably is. Um, and like so, I I asked, and I think I asked it the the second time about the change that you know you're really looking for is also because like FanFest is coming around and um, I'm gonna be there. Are, are you gonna be there? Probably no, not. no, I no, yeah, I'm uh, I'm currently on some kind of a, like a work deployment. I'm not part of the military, but I've been moved to a different city to work on something here, and uh, it's gonna be until late March, and then I'm just gonna move back to my normal workplace in early April, and I'm gonna be settling back in, so I probably won't have the time to go to FanFest. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really good time. Is it your first FanFest you're going to? Yeah, it's like my first. I was in London, but it's a way smaller event, and I knew that coming in. I was just going there because, like, meeting up with, like, Hai and uh, Kenda and so on. And um, So my number one, like, tip for you is, like, the recommendation is do not go to too many roundtables or, like, obviously you go to the opening ceremony, you go to the yeah. keynote, and then you go like if there's like somebody from your alliance having a talk that you want to support. We usually had somebody from Pierre or NC have a presentation, and I obviously all went to support him. But apart from that, don't go to any other sessions. Just hang out with your friends. Why get not? Drunk what every day. <laughs> what well, happens on those sessions? It's a waste of time because you get a TLDR of the session literally five minutes after it happened on Reddit, anyways. So why would you spend an hour sitting in it when you can get all the important information on Reddit 10 minutes later? And instead of sitting an hour in a huge room where you're not allowed to drink, you may as well be out with your friends drinking beer and having fun. Like the FanFest is all about meeting the people that you yeah. play the game with every day and putting a face to the name and just having a good time. My first FanFest I went to in 2016 was one of the best times of my life. Like unironically, it was just so fun meeting all the PL people for the first time. We had a dinner it was just so so much fun and the the eve the eve sessions and events the talks that they do obviously they can be cool as well if you want to calm down if you like hammered like so for example i had one day at the uh, at the eve uh, fan fest where i was i think i was like drunk at like 11 a.m right and i was like shit i need to calm down otherwise i'm not going to make it through the day so i went and sat in one of the sessions for one hour just to sort of calm down and let the alcohol drop down a bit and have some water right and then i went back out and i continued with the day but that's uh you know that's that's how i did it uh other than that it's uh kind of rough 
Obviously, right. if you don't drink alcohol, I'm not saying you can only have fun with alcohol at, at FanFest. If you don't drink alcohol, then you can still have fun <laughs> just meeting all the people. But you can't really talk to the people and hang out with them inside those um, inside those uh, CSM, uh, not CSM, Eve talks, right? Because you're yeah. kind of quiet. Yeah, I can imagine those roundtables are also like, there's probably going to be people that take themselves a little bit too serious. And then, you know, I don't know, some high sick guy is sitting there and then I have like grand ideas and, you know, you're just sitting there listening to something. It just takes ages, you know, I don't know. But I would probably pick one of those round tables and just, you know, to get a get an idea what it is like. But, yeah, you should. Yeah. Like I, I went for my first uh, if fan fest, I went to some of the round tables as well, but then I realized that it was kind of meh and i just went the problem as well is that and i don't no offense okay no offense to some people that might feel offended now but the problem with the fan fest as well is that there's so many pubbies like so many people that just have no clue about the game there that ask really really stupid questions yeah, every time I mean. at the end at the end of these talks like you have this talk about balancing right and then some guy <laughs> Just ask the most stupid question. You're like, oh my God. But CCP obviously can't say that, right? They have to respond to the question seriously. And that was the point where I realized, okay, now I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to listen to 20 stupid ass questions and then CCP giving the answer to it. So I just left. Yeah, I can imagine also, like, I feel like, so I was in London and that's the, that was the end of the whole world tour. And I felt sorry for the CCP guys to a degree. I could tell these guys are exhausted from this whole thing. And then also, from what I heard, they had issues with the venue that they couldn't move in as fast as they wanted to. They couldn't build all of the, the thingies up on the day before. So they had to do it all, uh, all early in the morning. And also getting cornered for like this world tour, getting cornered about like some weird ideas. I'm definitely not going to do that to any CCP guys and like, hey, you have to change this and this is the right, like, no, that's not the way to go. And I think a people, uh, a couple of people probably go to fan first in, uh, with that in mind, saying like, oh yeah, I finally can talk to the dev and uh, give him like my idea and whatever. I don't that's think that's the funny the thing is thing. that like at my first fan fest, I was actually approached by a dev. And then he asked me, what do you think about that? Do you think that is a good idea? That's a good, so that's a good that's, thing. That, that way you at least know that they want to actually hear your answer, right? So maybe uh, you should just make sure that it says your name somewhere very, that we can see them so they actually recognize you. Because believe it or not, CCP devs do know the high profile FCs of the game. Like there's this one really awkward story and I don't want to gloat, okay? Well, please, again, don't do take it. it the wrong way. <laughs> but there, was this, there was a really awkward story where it was my first CSM summit and we went to the CCP dinner, which is basically a dinner that we go to at the last evening, which, which CCP pays for and we can get super wasted, super hammered. And um, so we went to that dinner, we had the dinner, we all drank a lot of cocktails, we were all pretty wasted. And after the dinner, we were walking back into the city to go to some bar and a CCP dev came up to me and was like, Hey, Kira, I've been meaning to talk to you for a long time, but I was just too scared to talk to you. And I was like, what, <laughs> how, why? I'm just, I'm a nerd. I spend 16 hours a day. Luckily I don't do that anymore, but I used to spend 16 hours a day playing your game and I have made nothing with my life so far. That was like two years ago, right? Like I've accomplished nothing in my life. All I did was play your game. How can you be scared of me? 
Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, I read all these articles about you and I saw all these YouTube videos, blah, blah, blah. It's like, come on, bro. And I just hugged him and we went and we had a bunch of more drinks at the bar and, you know, it was a super good time. And I, that was like so awkward for me because I was like, how is that even possible? How can, how can CCP people be intimidated by the players? Like that is, that just blew my mind basically, right? Well, I mean, that's not a negative thing though, in this case. Right. No, it's obviously not negative, but I, I just really I felt so bad, right? I would just but I kind of want to respect the I mean, guy and be like, I know, I know, but it shows the respect, at least that you know, the guys at CCP have for people that actually make the content go. This game, which I feel like us FCs. I mean, Aerith might disagree. Aerith might think the mining <laughs> is the content creation right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of work involved in that, and I think it's good. That they, that they recognize that, you know, and then in this case it was a little bit awkward, but that's kind of cute, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was super cute. I was yeah. just, I was just overwhelmed by it. Obviously, I was really drunk as well, so I kind of just, I just kind of hugged the guy. I was like, "Come on, bro, we're gonna have a good time." And we just went and got wasted. Can't remember the rest of the night, so yes, that. Yeah, don't I know what say, happened. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Fanfest with the, it exactly. Your approach, actually, like that's what I, you know, expect anyway. Like I'm not going there for like the big um, CCP like um, event necessarily. I mean, it's a little bit bigger and like a, a little bit of that, but it's for like to meet the guys and stuff like this. And you know, I feel like I've put in so much time in this game. Like I have to see fan facilities once, you know, definitely. Yeah, for sure. One tip, do not go, like, so the way that they did uh, pop crawl the last time I went to FanFest was with, like, you would divide it up into groups, and then you would drive around on a bus and go to different places because all the nerds at the same bar at the same time just didn't fit, right? And Reykjavik in the bus, it was just too many people. Hmm. So they would basically drive around the city to different bars so that there was, like, different groups of people. And I was on a bus with ProGuard with, like, two dudes from NC and then, like, 90% people from Snuff. Right, and it was <laughs> so it was so hilarious because I stole all their beer. Each of us got like a small 0.33 liter can of beer, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? It's like a small beer. I'm gonna have this finished in like two minutes." Then I went around and stole other people's beer just for, like for fun, and then people realized that I had all the beer, <laughs> and then they obviously you know they started stealing the beer back, and at the end of the day, some dude gave me a bottle of uh, Brennevin, which is like the Icelandic liquor that they make over there, it's super disgusting. And it's like vodka, right? It has like 37%, I think 37 or 40 something. And he handed me this like half bottle of Brennevin and the, he gave it to me and it was like, you stole all our beer. Now you have to chuck this bottle of Brennevin and just empty it. And obviously the whole bus started chanting, chuck, 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 chuck. And I obviously, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. peer pressure, right? There was peer pressure. So I had no choice. So I emptied the whole bottle of, or the half the bottle of Brennan. <laughs> and there's not many things that I remember of that night. There's a horse, definitely, because there was a bar that's inside like a barn. And there was a pony. And I really wanted to ride the pony. But it was, obviously we weren't allowed to ride the pony. I, I tried to climb over the fence and people had to pull me back. Like there's lots of photos of me groping the pony, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then the pony groper. Yeah. That then, should be the me. And then apparently there was a guy that I, we went from there, we went to the last bar. The there's like a bar below the CCP offices, below these old CCP offices. And um I kind of 
I didn't make it into the bar. The security wouldn't let me and I just passed out in the gutter. Like I basically le left of the door of that bar. I just kind of fell into the street and passed out. And then a couple hours later, some dude who knew luckily which hotel I stayed at picked me up, put me into a cab and told the cab where to go. <laughs> and then I arrived <laughs> oh, at home. Shit. So, you know, uh, don't stay away from the snuffles. huh? Yeah. Do not go on a bus. Life, with lesson, life lesson number one. Yeah. Do not go on a bus with Progol and Snuff. It's not going yeah, to anywhere. I met a couple of guys from Snuff actually in, uh, in London. Like Sajon, he's probably here. Uh, one of the guys. I'm not sure if, if maybe he was one of the guys. That would fit him so well. Like, yeah. All right, that's on my list. Stay away from Snuffles. I'm going to have, like, I'm, I'm probably going to need some uh, bodyguards now. Like, oh, that's probably going to be their mission or something. Let me, uh, I want to leak this. What picture? Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, just link it in the uh, links and videos, and I'll put it on stream then. Yeah, Miranda's gonna be my bodyguard. I mean, she's in the military. She she knows some some moves. I mean, it's like you don't have the most intimidating, uh, uh, what do you call it? You're not the most intimidating person, probably. <laughs> it's like you probably. Like tiny, like a tiny girl. Not sure how, how much that works, but after all, they're all spaceship nerds, so I'm sure you can't. Can I don't it. have the phone, I don't have the picture of me and the pony on the, my phone anymore. I need to find it. Somebody oh, in the surely has it. All right, when you, when you find Actually, it, it put it in the links Twitter. videos. Let me check if it's on my Twitter. And if you don't find it now and you find it later, yeah, I'll link it later. It yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to FanFest. Uh, would be would be awesome if you were there too. And uh, I hope there's gonna be a lot of like uh, other FCs and stuff like this. Maybe maybe I'm gonna do a live FC chat with like as many FCs as I can find. I just you know find this find a spot. I'm sure Madril is gonna be there. He's gonna have the equipment, and uh, they've been a, a supportive uh, with the talking the stations crew. So maybe you can set something up there. I don't want to promise anything though, but it would be fun. Just have a good time. Stay away from the snuffles. Don't do too many round tables. And uh, yeah, it's my it's my list then. I think I should be fine. Yeah, you will be. It's a great time. All right, and uh, so we have been going for two hours and fifteen minutes, and I usually aim for two hours. So. Um, if anyone has any uh, good questions or um, any comment or whatever, go ahead. Now's your chance. Other than that, I would say um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing it. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It was actually really fun. Super chill. I appreciate it. Yeah, and the guys uh, in chat, like, thanks for the support. Thanks for the subs and all that stuff. Much appreciated. I hope you understand I muted the sounds because last time, or was it last time? I think it was. Uh, it kind of got in the way. It distracted me. And it's very like holding a conversation, like an interview kind of thing. I don't want this to be an interview, but it kind of, it's like a skill, you know what I mean? And I'm still developing that one. So uh, it was a little bit too distracting, I, I felt like. So um, I hope you understand. Yeah, choosely, muesli. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Thanks a lot. 
and uh, see you guys uh, around.